0: Buck Show.
1: It's uncut, it's unfiltered. This is the show of shows. This is the biggest things in drag racing. No holds barred.
2: Speaking his mind.
1: I've never had a problem expressing my opinions, but what we're doing here is bigger than that. These are conversations that need to be had in an unfiltered way.
3: Exploring hot topics.
1: Drag racing's all I've ever done. It's all I care to do.
2: I'm spreading the gospel of drag racing.
1: I respect the history, I appreciate how far we've come, but I want more for this sport. And I'll fight for it. This is the great American motorsport, drag racing. The West Budsburg show starts in three two one hey gang west buck here drag illustrated magazine checking in it is wednesday september fourteenth, two 2022 hope you're doing well thank you so much for joining us uh means the world to us every wednesday to to be joined by the drag racing masses here to uh Uh, to bench race, talk shop, spread the gospel of drag racing. It warms our heart every week. Thank you guys so much. Remember, click like, click share, click subscribe. Join the movement. Help us uh, do the Lord's work, right? Talk about drag racing on Wednesday afternoon. We got a barn burner of a show lined up for you today. We'll be checking in here in about 20 minutes. We're a little, Are we a little late? I don't know how that happened. But anyways, we will be checking in about 2.30 <laughs> p.m. Central Standard Time with the promoter of the Shakedown Nationals. That's right. A drag race that has been serving up history and record setting moments, barrier breaking moments for as long as I can remember. Honestly, I think that one of the reasons Drag Illustrated even exists is to celebrate the Shakedown. I mean, for those of you hardcores that remember it, way back when, way back when the shakedown at E-Town at one of my favorite drag strips of all time, Old Bridge Township Raceway in Englishtown, New Jersey. I mean, that event meant so much to me. That event started in 2004. Drag Illustrated started in 2005. We tried to celebrate that tradition every October for years and years and years. A decade later, the event goes from Oh, my goodness. You have to really kind of get your arms around the history of the shakedown at E-Town. It started out in English Town, New Jersey. It moved momentarily to Palm Beach International Raceway in Jupiter, Florida. Then it rebounded with a with a real solid effort from the Bader family there in Norwalk, Ohio at Summit Motorsports Park. Uh, they they carried on the event for four or five years, several years. I can't remember exactly how long it was before it arrived at its current home in its current form at Virginia Motorsports Park as a passion project of sorts for Tommy Franklin, the owner of the facility, as well as his right-hand man, Tyler Crossno, uh grabbed a hold of the beast that is the shakedown and have turned it into one of the most exciting, most talked about, and all-around premier independent drag racing events on the planet Earth. Of course, that's coming up this coming weekend. We'll be talking with Tyler about all the things that they have going on, uh, namely a Big Money Pro Mod shootout that certainly has my attention. Then at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, we will be joined by Clay Milliken. I believe him to be everyone's favorite top fuel driver. It's as often as we can get this guy in front of a camera, we need to be doing so. We're going to talk to Clay, not really about points and race implications. I think To be honest, I'm most interested to learn a little bit more about Rick Ware Racing. Unless you were living under a rock, you likely know that the team changed hands. The team that Clay's been driving for for the last several years, the top fuel operation led by the parts plus relationship um, was Well, what's the word? Purchased, I guess, in the build-up to the U.S. Nationals by Rick Ware. Sold from Doug Stringer Motorsports to Rick Ware, who is a very well-established NASCAR team owner, IMSA team owner. Uh, I believe a motocross or supercross team owner. And he added a top fuel operation to his repertoire, if you will. And I think it's a huge move for the sport of drag racing. I think it's fantastic news. It's kind of the second domino to fall after Tony Stewart arrived in our sport. So anyways, all around good news. And I can't wait to kind of pick this whole thing apart with Clay Millican, as well as preview the fast-approaching NHRA countdown to the championship that starts this coming weekend at Maple Grove Raceway in Reading, Pennsylvania. But before I do that, as always, I am joined by my cohorts here at Drag Illustrated Magazine, the one and only Mike Carpenter, JT, Murder, T, Hudson. Hudson, What's going on, guys?
4: What's up? T team, team missed the memo <clears throat> on the black shirts, so he went with double Kansas City. Double, double Kansas, Kansas, Kansas City. City. How excited are you for Thursday night's game?
3: Excited? Man, <laughs> excited. it's going to be a tough one. Though. It's
4: hard not to be excited when you're a Chiefs fan. The, the Chiefs look good. I'm,
3: I'm salty. We've we, we went through some seriously rough times, though. We deserve this.
0: Yeah. Man, well. every
1: time I see Patrick Mahomes do one of those like half-hearted – Tosses sidearm. It just um, my heart grows like a few sizes, like the Grinch. I say it a lot, but it's true. <laughs> you it know, because it, it just seems so like, effortless. Well, it just does um, shit
3: that it's not supposed to be done. You know, it's crazy. like it's yeah. like they they teach you you do not do that. You know, do
1: not ever okay. throw the ball sidearm. Do you not ever have it out there that it's far kind, away kind from body. I
3: mean, in any type of sports, and you could put that in drag racing or anything else. You know, uh you've got in your mind, you know, what a quarterback should do or what you know, how you tune a car or whatever, but you know, outside of the box, I mean, he goes, to. Dude, any that's other my team. claim. That's yeah, my he whole goes argument. The other team besides Andy Reed and they, they fix him, you know, they, they try to fix it. And I, I tell you, you what, what you let's, got let's the, talk you know, about, David David I think David Grubnick
1: crew chief for, for Brittany force, who has dominated the record books in recent history, um, leading the top fuel points with driver, Brittany force. I think you're onto something T because right. I've seen it limit people for years operating within a predetermined box right you yep. get a crew chief that is going hey these are the wheel speed numbers i'm comfortable with this is you know here's the the or I'm, I'm not going to go after
4: it in. i'm not going to go after it in the heat or e1 right. and or this I, that, is how that's, that's been the most it. yeah, this yeah that's been the most uh, unconventional thing that i've seen grubby do in my opinion is to just you know keep laying it to it it Even would appear when we don't me, necessarily have to. We From heard the Greg outside Anderson looking in. About
3: it. We heard Greg Anderson talk about it last week. Yeah. You know, that, that you kind of get to resting on your, your laurels or whatever, and, and you just keep you keep on doing, doing anger, what you've right always done. Yep. And then all of a sudden, and then he, he said, he said, well, Elite found something, you know, so we... We better start said, looking. We better we, we better start figuring something out. And
1: yeah. it's funny because I think that that can help you on a multitude of levels, right? Not only are you perhaps going to perform better if you stick with the Patrick Mahomes uh, analogy, that hey, you're going to play well and you're going to make some, you're going to have some big plays and whatnot, and you're going to have him make something happen when it seems like nothing's available. Um, but it it also goes back to that getting out of your comfort zone and looking for it somewhere, like. Greg was talking about with Elite Motorsports. Somewhere they figured out something, so we better start digging. Don't know where it's going to be. Is it going to be in the bell housing? Is it going to be under the, you know, between those slicks on the back of the car? Is it going to be under the hood? Do we need some power? But you've got to be looking for it all the time, especially when you get to that level, especially when you get to that level. It's a really interesting thing, but I'm telling you, I've seen it time and time again where I've interviewed or talked to a crew chief and they're maybe in a slump or they're struggling and they almost... Always have this song and dance that, that sounds something like, Well, we've never gone beyond this, and this is how we've always We're done lost. it. And man, we gotta get you know, back
4: to our notes. Back to and it's like, no, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I don't think that guy is using notes. <laughs> I mean, maybe he is, but I think he is going, you know what? We've never tried this before, but we don't have any reason not to. And it's yep. funny because you can start to win games. Or win rounds of racing because you start to get in other people's heads. I talked to Mike Salinas about this early in the year. And he said, man, I think what's happening, Mike Salinas came off, you know, was off to a hot start. What he went, four races pretty quickly in the 2022 uh, NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series. And then things kind of started to fall, not to plateau to an extent. And I remember talking to Mike. I was at the gym. And uh, that was a little slight humble brag. I was there getting jacked. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, you yeah. know, the whole deal getting swole. And uh, I was talking to Mike, and he goes, I think we're all chasing grubby. And it was cool to hear him be so candid because he goes, I think we're all feeling this pressure to run 338 um, and run bottom 460s every time we drop the bomb on it. And we're we're beating ourselves. And it's funny because I mean, I think you're gonna see that. I mean, going all the way back to our Kansas City Chiefs here, T, I think we're gonna see people try to out trick
3: themselves or try to be Patrick Mahomes. And if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you probably can't do that stuff. Right. But but every athlete's different is as, as, as far as uh so is every car, you know, so is every chassis. So is it I mean, so is every combination. So I mean you have to adapt to what you have. And uh yeah. And I mean, it's a great analogy, really. I mean, I mean, and I truly believe that, you know, the, if he goes to a different coach, it's going to be completely different. They're going to fix him. You're not going to be throwing those passes. You're going to be staying in the pocket. I mean, everything evolves in sports, no matter what the sport is. You know, um, if you take quarterbacks, you know, you start out with pocket passers, and then you have dual threat quarterbacks. Now you got these guys doing some crazy shit, you know, and they're launching the ball like <laughs> 70 yards and, you know, and dropping it on a dime. I mean, everything evolves and you better move move with it or you're going to be left behind. Do you think that, that, like,
1: all the things that you just outlined? I saw a stat over the weekend watching football that, like, I think it's like Mahomes, somebody else, maybe Aaron Rodgers, and um, our boy Baker Mayfield, who's my homie. Uh, we're close, we're thick as thieves. And Baker, they're like super accurate at 70 plus yard passes. Did you see that stat, Mike, where no. it's like there's a couple of quarterbacks that are especially. Oh, Drown another humble sorrows. brag. Okay. Um, he's in his, his private seats or whatever by yeah. the coaches' Club, the owner. Yeah, owner yeah suite. the owner's suite. Uh, but there's certain quarterbacks that are especially good when it comes to throwing the deep ball. And I think that the same thing exists in drag racing, and it's made me wonder. You've heard me talk about it right here on this show. Should we not run some of these races eighth mile, run some of them a 1,000 foot, run a couple of them quarter mile? When we go to Virginia and we got six miles worth of shutdown, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just think it's kind of interesting because everybody thrives in it. I venture to say that you gave you give Scott Palmer three, four runs at an eighth-mile shootout, he may be as good as anybody. You know what I'm saying? But then you get some of these guys that are better at hitting the long ball or making these full-pull quarter-mile runs. I just think that that's an interesting concept that um, has never been fully fleshed out, right? Like, they say still to this day that the most common complaint that the NHRA gets from its fan base is the move from a quarter mile to a thousand feet. And I think it's safe to say that we are never, at least at this point in time, I don't see any writing on the wall that would indicate that we're going to return to a quarter mile, but maybe we could do it twice a year. Maybe we could do it at a couple of the especially long tracks where their shutdown is abundant. Um, It seems possible and it would be a
4: different, a different rule set. Oh, for sure. Because they wouldn't, the tire I don't think could take it. Goodyear can say what well, they yeah, want. Well, yeah, they go four hundred miles an hour. They, they, they don't want to find out. They don't want to find out. Speaking of four hundred miles an hour, or how about four seconds? Okay, we got a lot in, to in, a, in a quarter mile. How about this? How about this rocket propelled bike in, oh, in Santa?
1: Fe? Let's give it up for uh, Eric Teebul. Um, what a what a deal. I hardly know what to say about this. Um, this, If you haven't seen it, JT, could you pull this up for me and post in the comments the link uh, dragillustrated.com. It's the primary story on the website right now. Eric Tingle clocks four second quarter mile on two wheels. Just, it was written by Brett Kepner. It's Brett. Such
4: a such a breakdown of this, so like it takes it to another level, and it's it's awesome. Close in the comments
1: saying rocket bike is the coolest thing in 2022. It, <laughs> I mean, mean? dude. It's wild,
4: and and to know all the the chemical reactions and and all Brett's the calling it the run the, of the ce- uh, the run of the year. Yeah, well, I mean, Brett's breakdown of it though oh. is well, there's there's no more uh, comprehensive explanation of how this happened what how it led up to this and the fact that really this thing is only limited by how how much they're willing to put in the in the tank and Can you and, imagine and they've been only running <laughs> this thing to like the eighth mile or a thousand oh, foot and so this so guy it, what what made this run spectacular made it into the four seconds is that he put like two drops extra of hydrogen peroxide so that it went a little bit further and broke that barrier so pretty wild man
1: the whole situation wild. is, you know what my big takeaway was from it was? And I think that we need to give some kudos. And I, I, I always I forget to do this, and I would like to ask everybody, where are you checking in from? Uh, throw it in the comments. We love to know where you guys are watching from, whether it's here in the continental United States, down here in Texas next to me, um, or, or anywhere around the world. We love to know where you're checking in from. Uh, but I want to give some kudos to the team at Santa Pod Raceway. I spent this morning just... Looking at old YouTube videos of Eric Tebowl and this uh, making passes on this rocket powered motorcycle. He's this thing
4: all over the place. Oh, Not dude. just that. I mean, good tracks, bad tracks. A lot of places. All over.
1: But I love the the way they presented this at Santa Pod. The, the Santa Pod Raceway uh, over in England, they have done an incredible job with really building this guy up into be- being a superstar right he's out there and the way that i mean if you watch that video that's yeah, embedded that in wild. the drag illustrated they've got everybody it with their cell phone lights up their cell phone uh, uh what do you call it flashlights on, well, they, had the him come out on the, they had him
4: come out on the starting line and kind of put on his gear and do this whole build up I, 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 the whole and, time i'm watching it i'm going i hope to god
1: someone in america is watching this because it is massively important that type of presentation just wait what What we've got coming down the pike here in the next couple of months, um, what we're going to do next year at Drag Illustrated, uh, this is the type of thing that drag racing needs so badly. Guys like Eric, there's a slew of guys like him. You know, I look around our sport and I see hundreds, if not thousands of real deal rock star heroes that deserve that type of treatment, deserve that level of pomp and circumstance. And I actually, you know, this is rumored, Mike, to be the last time he'll run that bike. Yeah, that, that's what he says in the yeah. article, and I don't blame
4: him. <laughs> I mean, I don't <laughs> no, it, if man. you look <laughs> at <one of> the <laughs> tile on that deal, dog. <laughs> you, right? If you look at this thing, it's wild because it's silent. It's just dead silent, and then. everyone's saying this guy's got to have a major pair of cojones (laughs) (laughs) to do this. And he does because the thing's silent. I don't know if it's running. I don't know exactly how this works, but it's like, he's like the the announcers saying, uh, he's going to give us a signal when he's ready. And then he, you can see him. He's got to like hype himself up and he gives the signal, slams his visor shut. And then literally it's, it's on. I would want
1: Bill Goldberg
4: to like walk up and slap me
1: as hard as possible (laughs) in the helmet and be like, all right, Let's do this because whenever you that's
4: see that the photos of him
3: that, dangling his feet, that's how that rocket I'm pack out. was. That's how that rocket pack was that was out at uh Oh, Yeah, remember that was scary You too, know, it, it, it was it, it was pretty much quiet, and then all of a sudden, you know, and then he goes up. Do and you think that there's a little spin and he's gone? You know? But can I be? I mean, I'm not trying to bust anybody's balls here, but it's
1: still to me, listen, I'm not at all trying to minimize anything about it, right? But there are some mechanical things. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, like, this is the argument that I've always made about jet cars. As excited as I can get about a jet car, and I do think it's fantastic. Let's be honest; it is. A, it's ahead. a roller skate, right? So it's <laughs> right. it's rolling. So you're dealing with the different physics, right? A different mechanical functions, and I, I'm just curious: Does Brett puts in this article, and I found this to be an, an especially interesting line. Brett says seldom has electronic media blasted drag racing news so quickly to every corner of the planet. But the response by nearly every human who received the news was one of dumbfounded silence. And he's talking <laughs> about the, the news of this four second, 4.97 second quarter mile run by a guy on a motorcycle. But it, to me, it lacks so many it lacks almost all the the things that make me love drag racing, right? It's not loud. It's not, um, violent. It's not, not, um, uh, I mean, it's fine. I'm sure it was violent. If you were on, it's not,
4: it's not a wheel drag racing at its core is power application and management of applying the tire to the track. And there's, there's none of that here. I mean, and it's, it's crazy. The power to weight ratio too. You're able to achieve when you don't have all of the mechanical, uh, systems that, uh, traditional drag cars have. Brett says it's got six. I believe six thousand pounds of thrust. Uh, I'll have to read it again. And it only weighs six hundred pounds, so the power to weight ratio on it is far and away, far and away higher than yeah. any other vehicle in drag racing.
1: And it's. I mean, listen. If anything else, what my one of my takeaways from this was that anything can be excited if sold well. I feel like this deal was well sold. I mean, it was just. It's built up over years, years and years and years. This guy has, it's been on the horizon, right? He's been in the low fives multiple times. So I think the storytelling component was really solid here. Like they've done a great job of telling this guy's story and building him up as this rocket man, this evil Knievel type that is, you know, defying the odds. It's really, it's been well done. Right. But my big takeaway is, I mean, is this proof positive that maybe we don't need the noise? Like, is this all of a sudden validating no, for, no, for all oh, the no. electric car guys and no, gals? No, I'm because just asking.
4: Electric racing is going to face that same stigma and uphill battle. If and when that becomes the standard or norm, we're going to we're going to miss all of the noise and fuel and smoke and everything that we love about drag racing. So well, if you've seen
3: uh, if you've seen an electric car uh, make a poll like we have. It's pretty underwhelming. I What's mean, wild is you hear I mean, the tires. I know, I know it's fast, but yeah, it, but it's like oh, all you hear is tire squeal. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I just really, I, I I like, do find uh,
4: it interesting. Which is, you know? it's a wild thing, man. Sometimes uh, back when my dad was racing, I used to some just depending on the acoustics of the track or maybe the headset or something, you could actually hear the tire spinning. I know a I little know bit over happening. the engine, but I mean, barely and only rarely could you. Actually turbo cars,
1: that. a turbo pro mod delivers yeah. that in, in spades.
4: But yeah, but in, uh, <laughs> in in the electric deal, you know, that's that's all you hear.
1: I'm just I'm just raising the question. I got accosted um, while we were at the NHRA U.S. Nationals in the hotel bar one night by they somebody do. telling me that. Yeah, you got accosted every night um, signing I got a in. I by JT. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you did. <laughs> Um, yeah. I, Hold on, I'm getting a text. What is this about? Oh, totally irrelevant. Um, anyways, anyway, bracket
4: so- racing. Good stat here. Six thousand pounds of thrust is roughly equivalent to four thousand six hundred forty horsepower in a in, in a less than six hundred pound vehicle.
1: Well, I'm going to backtrack on anything I've said, basically, because I'm not straddling 4,600 horsepower for any reason. There's no chance that I'm even I don't even want to be in the same zip code as that thing. But I just think that the whole deal, it does it to me. Like I said, going back to Indy, I was being accosted one night in the hotel uh, lobby bar by uh, a lady who was telling me about electrification, right? And that, you know, electric cars are the this. future. And that's where everything is going and that we're behind times. I need to get my head out of the sand. And, you know, it's all about electric cars. And I I pitched a few you arguments told that me, I, man, I would have
3: broke a bottle. And yeah. you know, <laughs> <got
1: it. laughs> well, I, I fought back. I just said, hey, listen, I appreciate the technology. Like, I'm a geek. Like, I love electronics and I love the latest, greatest technology and, and, you know, Mike, what's that thing you say about Drag Illustrated that we're a technology company that deals in media, right? It, you know, we, we've pride ourselves on embracing new technology, embracing software, trying new things. So I feel like I'm an open-minded guy, but... I don't have to look much further than like the huge power outage and crisis that we had down here in Texas a couple of years ago during the They're DFW right freeze. What's going, on right, yeah, well, going yeah. on right now in California? But it's like I don't. I personally don't believe there is a nationwide infrastructure that's going to support all of us going electric in a month. I just don't think it's going to happen. And that was my only argument to this young lady was that I think this is all at the wrong pace. I'm not saying that we won't all have electric cars someday, but it's not happening next month. It's not happening next year. I don't think it's happening in 10 years. And But, but I do recognize that there is a significant group of people that are passionate about this stuff. So I'm not saying, and the, the reason I bring this the electrification up at all is just because I do wonder if as impressive as that rocket-powered pass was from Eric Tebow, Sands the sound, Sands sans the, the 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 many things that we know as being interesting and exciting from a drag racing perspective sans those things it was still pretty it's massively well received we're talking about it right now we've been talking about it for a half hour maybe there is a future for electric drag racing i don't know
4: i don't know man there's not making a big <laughs> jump from from hydrogen peroxide just, to I electricity just, no. here it's silent yeah. i mean my point is that it's it is
3: not silent it's like squeals whatever that whatever that sounds. yeah is. but it's but it's it's pretty bad to watch i mean we we, we watched it it's i mean you can tell they're it's, going fast but it doesn't it doesn't seem like it looks like it's fast in fast because... forward
4: first time i watched it i was like this what's wrong with this video it's in fast forward <laughs> <laughs> that
3: ain't no joke it's it's, it's, uh... and it's like well there's a reason traxxas puts those little sound chips in their uh in the remote control cars, right? Uh, Kyle so Loftus fun. from 1320 Video made a post about like, I, I'm gonna butcher this.
1: Gosh, I wish I had it in front of me. JT, you should pull this up. Go look up Kyle Loftus on uh, Facebook. But he put like, we all have uh, microwaves, but that doesn't we doesn't mean we don't want to cook our burger on a barbecue grill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. nobody's cooking their burgers in a microwave. Yeah, it can cook them, and it can probably cook them faster, but nobody know, wants one. Right. And I do think that it's a very similar thing with electric cars. Like whenever I saw um, David Freiberger post up that uh, video of the Dodge, like the newfound Dodge Challenger, or whatever the hell it's going to be, that's got an electric engine in it and they have sound effects. Have you, you heard, heard the I mean? sound effects though? They're yeah, terrible. I have. They're terrible. It sounds and like it's, a cat dying. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of cats. We should kill one and see you're, what happens. You're familiar with Ooh. that. Sound. I'm familiar with that sound. It's uh yeah, man. I was so underwhelmed by it. And I also thought, like, man, are we starting to believe our own bullshit, like, in the industry? Like, no one's buying that thing. No one. Like, I'm not saying there won't be some well-to-do collector buy it, but no one's buying it and taking it to cars and coffee. How about he, the electric?
4: Uh, he got roasted on that post, oh, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, have roasted. you guys seen the post where... Uh, there's like the the new electric Ford F one fifty towing a boat, and the owner said that it, it, he was able to tow it fifty four miles before the battery was dead.
1: I'm gonna tell you, man, fifty four miles—that's kind of my sweet spot. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for when I buy a hundred thousand dollar rig. Is yeah. I'm just hoping I can make it fifty to the to lake, fifty five miles. Yeah, you know what the, I mean? To the lake, and then and then we have to. I would set home. it on fire. It'll probably spontaneously combust on its own soon enough. But if I had if I spent that kind of money on something like that. And it would run, it'd pull my boat 54 miles. I'm shooting it full
3: of holes. Guarantee. Well, that's, that's the problem. You're moving moving closer to the lake. It it really yeah.
4: illustrates the problem where, like, we, we're talking about diesel or not diesel, electric semi-trucks replacing diesel and all that. Like, how's that gonna work? It you know, ain't. I mean, it, it it's not, and 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 we're just, we're not to that it. point. You you may be able to get a four-door sedan. To, to work okay off, off electric right now. But all these other applications, racing, towing, pulling. All uh, the cool stuff. All the cool stuff. We're, not, we're nowhere close.
1: I don't yeah. think we're anywhere close. And it's, uh, I didn't mean to go necessarily down this electrification route, but I do think it's an interesting thing. It's polarizing, right? A lot of people... Uh, so let's go ahead and throw this out there. Um, you, you can keep your electric car. Keep that <laughs> devil-made machine away from me. Um, I'm trying to get into heaven out here. You know what I'm saying? And you do that by doing burnouts. Tyler Cross knows in the green room, closing his eyes, shaking his head, but it's true. He's he's thinking about just his legs right now. I'm trying to get my wings, bro. I'm trying to get my wings. Um, (laughs) All right, guys. Well, hey, let's go ahead and bring Tyler to the party. Ladies and gentlemen, the promoter of the Shakedown Nationals, the, I believe, fourth iteration of one of drag racing's most celebrated independent events Tyler Crossno, general manager at Virginia Motorsports Park and an all round great guy, longtime friend of the show. Let's give it up for, uh, for, for, for T Cross, T-C! man. What's up, buddy? TC, what's up? Uh,
0: y'all gonna up, bring dog? me in after that. So, you got everybody all fired <laughs> up, pissed off. You got half the people cheering, half the people mad. Then you so, be like, uh, how, what is it 25? Let me not ask. 50, 50. Is <laughs> it
1: 25,000 to win electric car? No.
0: Nah. <laughs> I was
1: pro, just pro electric, pro electro no.
0: electric radio.
1: Pro electric, yeah,
0: yeah. Somebody will come up with that. Crap.
1: You know what they would have for that yeah. deal? Instead of having to have a helmet or like a fire suit, you'd have to have an SFI approved pocket protector. <laughs> you know what I mean? SFI approved glasses and an SFI approved pocket protector. You, That's well, actually, how you get into You, you you're gonna want that EV. fire suit.
4: I don't know if you've seen any of these electric you fire fires. <laughs> you're going to that thing looks like a looks like a nitro fire. You you're, you're going to need yeah. you're going to need an SFI 20 here. on that bad boy.
0: Yeah, we'll be out here. Hey, look, you need a five layer to run top dragster with your. It's gonna go 440s. we You're gonna need a twenty layer to come run your EV car. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, and don't park it by anything valuable.
0: Put out yeah. here
4: in that field somewhere because we got a lot of real
0: nice motorhomes. Cars
4: burned up at the Miami Dolphins game. Yes. That has yeah. to be star- JT. Oh, no, were you, you started, there? You started by a grill, <laughs> but the first thing I thought was electric vehicle.
0: I just, First thing I thought of. Were
4: you
1: in Miami when those cars all burnt down? That's, that screamed JT Hudson. <laughs> oh, yeah.
4: I thought, actually, I thought about that. Like, man, JT's really lucky this hasn't happened at a Chiefs game. <laughs> yeah, oh, dude. Do you know what we're talking about?
3: No, I don't. There's no, no, this video. There's this video in where Mahomes there's like, a,
4: yeah, there's this video at, at the Miami Dolphins Stadium. Fans are coming back out to their cars after the game, and there's like this row of cars, all of them burnt, burnt to out. The, supposedly somebody put a grill in the back in the trunk or something before it was cooled off and oh next he's you know, done that that'll happen that'll happen <laughs> yeah. you know
3: i mean <laughs> this one <working> time. Mistakes,
1: <sighs> oh my god okay here real quick uh being that tyler is a well-rounded young man and he's got experience in all walks of the drag racing life let's just go through the news real quick it, before we talk about Shakedown, we got like 23 minutes here with with Tyler. Uh, we're obviously very excited about your event, buddy. But you do you have a wealth of knowledge here. R- were you impressed by the rocket powered motorcycle deal?
0: Scared half to death. Yeah. <laughs> no way on God's green earth am I doing anything like that.
4: Look, man, we that thing would go just, even faster if you were on it. No yeah. kidding. I thought
0: the same thing. I was like, man, your that's, feet have that, been that dragging. Oh yeah. We definitely lost a of toe You're or just two flying and holding on. yeah I mean, we have lost a toe or two, but it was worth a number, at least a number and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, but what I'm do you think general. about uh so okay, we got your reaction to the motorcycle deal. Um which huge accomplishment. I'm curious uh what do you make of I don't know if you saw this, but Alex Laughlin calls out Ryan Martin. Um, Alex is kind of making a splash over there in the no prep king world. Um, no prep. Ki- well, you know what? It's called no prep kings, but until they prove otherwise, there's a single no prep king and his name's Ryan Martin. Um, so true. over there in no prep Kingland, land, no, no. um, do you what's the over under amongst the group here? Tyler, I'm going to start with you. What's the chances that Alex Laughlin actually gets to line up with Ryan Martin?
0: Okay. Does it have to happen at an MPK race or can it happen anywhere?
1: Oh, I think it could happen anywhere, like, uh, but like, is I'm like talking like about this. R- w- w- no, no, no. We're talking about next weekend and, or this weekend in Denver.
0: Zero percent. Okay, good. All right. About as Minor. much
4: chance of any of us riding that rocket motorcycle (laughs) t oh yeah i'm
1: I'm zero but yeah but i do what did you guys make of the call out i watched it at the gym yesterday i'm gonna drop that again i was doing a full body training i'm trying to get back in shape um mike what was your take did you like the video that alex did i personally liked it
4: and i mean we're we're big fans of alex and we're always behind any of this kind of stuff i don't think it's being all that well received by the npk community and there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of saltiness or tension going on right now. I don't know if you guys have seen the the, the uh, teaser for the new season of of No Prep Kings that's debuting oh, Monday night, but I mean that that deal looks like a, a UFC uh, fight. <laughs> uh,
0: it made us all stop and look. Yeah, it, yeah I mean, it all
4: kinds of stuff going on. Swanstrom jumping he's over He's called the out wall. Swanstrom now.
3: Now he's yeah. called out Swanstrom. They're going back and forth. But anyway, on, I I, I just don't
4: think it's I don't think it's been that well received, and I think it's primarily because. You know obviously Alex is calling out the the top of the pack and guys are in the invitational and I think that once if and when Alex gets in the invitational that 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 will be something that could happen but I, just right now the the risk reward for for those guys I don't he, think I, is there.
3: I talked to him and he said that that you know is him Real showing quick, up him JT's sh- our yeah.
1: Stephen A Smith is funny because he's <laughs> always talked to my good buddy we were at dinner last night um, okay, go ahead.
0: Dude, yeah. that's the greatest analogy I've ever heard. He's you have to good. own this from now
1: okay. on. You need that hairline, too. Get <laughs> it up high. Get it up high, dog.
3: Anyways, do you were talking so to we
1: your, your best friend in the whole world, the godfather yeah, yeah, of your children, yeah. Alex Laughlin. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: Well, he was just telling me that the perception of him has changed a little bit, he thinks, with the uh, fans. Uh, just from showing up and racing and them realizing that, that he's a good guy. You know? I mean – all this stems from that Richard Rawlings bullshit. So, yeah, that's, true. you know, and, and, and if he could do that all over again, I'm sure he'd do something different, but, but, you know, and I don't know his, that he did this, anything really wrong though, during right? all that. Right? I mean, I still know his name. No, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't anyway. do anything
4: wrong. It's, no, it's all the
3: same stuff that
4: he constantly faces, but if you've ever met Alex or you appreciate what he does from a promotional perspective, standpoint and what he represents for drag racing you have a different outlook but that doesn't necessarily jive with the mpk deal
1: well it's interesting because i look at it and and i completely uh, agree and i actually like i'm obviously i'm a big fan of alex's um i personally think he's a great guy and uh, i've just known him for a long time and it's been cool to see him you know You know, his career trajectory has been fun to watch. I'm proud of him as a a young man. But I will tell you that I agree with the notion that there is no it's Brian Martin's got everything to lose and nothing to gain. I mean, if he outruns Alex Laughlin, whether it's one race or a best two out of three, he outran a car that is knowingly not necessarily built with intentions of racing No Prep Kings, right? This is an old radial tire car that's been, you know, passed around and raced by a dozen different people, ran a three-second pass at, at Tyler's race in Memphis um, oh, with um, uh, Jason Mahalik behind the wheel, tuned man. by Billy Stockman. The in the freeze. Freed, does, in the that that, that yeah. car has been well-raced. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got a slew of these other guys in No Prep King competition rolling out, you know, what are essentially state-of-the-art, purpose-built, no-prep cars. They're steel roof-and-quarter cars that are basically pro-mods with pro-stock-style roof-and-quarters. So it's, I don't think Ryan Martin, there's no way in the world they're going to allow their John Cena, right, to go out their whatever main event attraction to go out there and run the risk of losing to somebody like Alex because if he wins, you've opened up an entire huge can of worms. But my question, I think what this begs, Uh, us to ask is what does a guy got to do? Because I almost feel like they need to shit can the futures class because in my opinion, and I know there's some great guys there and I may upset somebody, but You know, and I love that we've seen Manny Bajinga in that world. We've seen Marty Robertson really thrive in that world. Obviously, Alex Laughlin is now thriving in that world. We've seen uh, Callie Mills come from that world and, and move into the invitational, but she seems to be the exception to the rule. Justin Swanstrom, I think, is another exception to the rule. Those are two people, right? That Callie's a young, pretty girl right, with a really fast race car that's well-resourced. It, it, I think that you can make an argument for that. Then you've got Justin Swanstrom, well-resourced, big personality, big character. He makes sense, but I just don't – I almost think they should close that door and just make it a closed community so that we don't have these – because I don't think they're ever going to let Alex in. Like I don't want to upset anybody, I, think but I don't you, think I they're going to
3: I still think you need to race your way in. Like, I think it'd be cool. you know, like, the I love model, that idea, model, model, but they're protecting themselves the year, year before yes. or whatever, or where you're at in points in this category can move you up. And you're always on that scale of whether yep. you move down or move up. And I think that'd be actually just,
1: I love I mean, I the awesome. idea, but you've got to have I, I some see, balls. I see what you're but, saying. Yeah. You do have to
3: have some balls you have because
1: to, you've got to say, Hey man, my guys, but you know what? It's, you know what? Alex, There's a great Alex, analogy.
3: But Alex's personality <laughs> would be perfect for that show. I think he
1: could do well there, but here's the analogy. Do you want to be WWE or do you want to be UFC, right? You know, and and, and you have to make that decision, in my opinion, somewhere along the way. You have to go, okay, do we want to have this close-knit kind of cordoned-off group of people that fight amongst themselves and we keep outsiders out for our own protection, Right. Or do we want to be the UFC and we want to say we want the baddest dudes in the world to come here and and fight? And we're not going to turn anyone away that qualifies. Right. Because if you go out in the UFC, for instance, and you go win, uh, let's just just for the sake of easy examples, lay up examples. You go win a world title in Bellator. You go win a world title in uh, Cage of Champions or whatever. You go win all these other series. The UFC is going to kick the doors open for you because they want you to come in and test yourself against their champion. Right. And I don't feel that's the case. Over at MPK. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just, this is my perspective. I think that they're going down the path of WWE, right? Versus the path of UFC. And I, what the path you're talking about, JT, is UFC. It's saying, yeah. hey, you're you're talking about a tough man competition. I am, yeah.
0: And, and well, I don't right think now, there's anything wrong know, with that. You know what I mean? Like right now, you don't have a second league for MPK. No. Like, like where you said, you don't have a tough man in comparison to MPK. So that's kind of like, eh. You know, what do you use in comparison? So How why pretend
1: yet? is my question. Why yeah, pretend? Why pretend that you're going to let someone in? You're not going to let somebody Either in. Either do it or don't. You know, you're not going to let somebody in. You're gonna, yeah. You might let somebody in if they fit X, Y, Z thing. At the, the same time, but, but Street Outlaws MPK spoilers right here. But yeah, but UFC ain't letting some guy walking off the street come in and fight their champion. And that's bullshit. They have though yeah, Kimbo them, yeah. Slice. I mean it's yeah, happened they, a yeah, multitude of times. Yeah. They let they, to Kimbo t- slice. they took Kimbo Slice from a backyard, right? Yep. To the UFC. And now granted, they made him work his way up, but they did it. They paid him. Right. To be on the fighter, the the what's it called? The ultimate fighter, the The reality show. And then they put him immediately into a main event slot. Right. And that was after the dude had been a part of one of the biggest or biggest mixed martial arts fights in the history of the world on NBC sports. Right. And I mean, unfortunately, he got knocked out. But my point is just that that's not necessarily true. They do let people come in. I mean, they had you know, what's a great example. What's the kid's name? Mike, you know him. Um, with the crosses on his hands, he was a UFC or a, a W. Uh, CM Punk. Oh yeah, CM Punk wanted to make a run at UFC, and what did what did Dana White and the UFC do? They cleared the path for him. Come on in, buddy. Homeboy got the shit kicked out of him at yeah. every turn. He could hardly survive a practice a practice let alone getting in the ring you know in the, the the octagon with a trained killer you know so i don't know that that argument is we, really we that still, valid we
3: still haven't seen one of these guys show up for a whole year and run the futures <laughs> class or whatever and he fought and show, for a main and, event and show and show commitment that they're going to you know be there for every race for a year and i know that's 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 a lot to ask somebody to do but the, the payoff if the payoff is the invitational, you know, we, we don't know that yet. You know, what if somebody does show up and just dominates that futures class for a year and shows up at every race? And then what do you do? Because you're like, OK, this guy is, is serious, you know, and or guy or gal is serious. Well, and even,
0: and like, do you move them that, up then? On that same stage, JT, you could even say something like, OK, there's 20 races. Let's just use that for an example. Hey, you need to attend 10 of them. And we're gonna take your best and count points and do the whole thing for that deal. And we're yeah. gonna take the your ten best races. You can attend fifteen, you you're only getting ten. And those two guys maybe have a way to race in the next year. But I but I'm like you and I and I'm and I think that's this follows Wes's deal as well. They're gonna make you prove that you're gonna show up. They're it's not going to be a come. Yeah, what two
4: they're doing, runs. they're in control. They don't care if you They got the lose. leverage. Yeah, they, they got the leverage, left. and that's what they're doing is is best for them. But you know what's yes. funny? You know what's it, funny? Is Tyler, it Tyler, is Tyler it thought. Though? Tyler thought he was coming on here I'm to talk to about it. shakedown. That's hilarious. Yeah. We're talking everything. <laughs> sorry. Yeah sorry sorry, yeah. sorry. sorry. I mean,
1: just to go back up though, man, I really think that it's, you know, and Frank here is in the off. comments saying that it's a TV show and I agree. And everybody keeps saying that, but then everybody gets all sensitive when it's, when it's a TV show. You know exactly. what I'm saying? I think you it's, ride, it's pick one and ride. You got to pick one and ride. And it's like, dude, we can't be, cause here's the thing that I get frustrated about. If I compare any of the no prep King guys To anybody else in traditional drag racing, let's say the stars of Tyler's PDRA, Pro Boost, Pro Nitrous, I get, you know, all sorts of feedback and commentary that like, oh, no, our guys could go run with them any day of the week. Well, let's prove it. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's prove it. You know, like, let's prove it. I mean, I almost think Tyler at the shakedown, you should say, I'll pay anybody from that whole world, the no prep world that wants to come and try on one of these guys for size. Feel free. Like, we'll park you in the staging lanes. We'll pay for your testing. You know, I mean, I just think that Don't that's where. Right? I mean, I'm just saying, man. It's... Put, it,
4: put in a bow on the NPK deal. Monday night, we're bringing back the ride along, right, Wes? Are we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, me and JT Jeez. decided it. Sorry. Oh, you? did you? So join it. us Join us if you would like. Okay, I'll think about it. I'll let you guys know. Tyler, join us too. Yeah, Tyler. Is
0: Virginia on it? I was on it last year. Where are we yeah, starting are. on that?
1: Uh, uh, where is the first race of the NPK uh, season? Uh,
0: I was early. Hold on. I think on, I, I was you. really early in the year. Of Isn't course, yeah, Kevin, you Kevin Stevenson will tell me before. Of course, I'll be the one it, that's up. like, oh, your track was where Ryan Martin blew up. It's your fault. It was Ryan Virginia, man.
4: Up. It was Virginia. It was me.
0: April 22nd. Yeah. I'm pretty yep. sure. Holy crap! Qu- no, 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 right. no,
4: Sorry, it was Palm Beach, April eighth, and then yours was two weeks later. I was oh, street
1: yeah. out. Yeah, Kevin's got it. Florida than if. Yeah, Kevin treated me as always. Kevin treated you. It um, real quick. Uh, if you had to fight someone, would you rather fight Dwayne Mills or Pat Musi? <laughs> Tyler, you go.
0: Neither one of them.
2: Okay,
1: good answer. We're gonna find. Dwayne's
0: a big good. man. Yeah. Yeah. I, it doesn't better. look good. In that, I'd probably rather in that fight preview. Pat as long as
3: he didn't have his baseball bat. Yeah.
4: Mike, no, oh they man I, we're of, we're no. gonna see the results of that uh in in a couple of episodes, but that little preview snippet is wild.
1: I th- I don't want. I've almost had to run in with Pat once before. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, that. Neither, yeah,
4: neither one is is the correct answer.
1: No, n- yeah, neither is the hey, correct answer.
0: Look, I got it right here. Have you ever tried to park either one of those guys that are <laughs> he <has> <laughs> right I here? Look here, let me face it. something. It's I over. It. Yeah,
1: I haven't. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Uh, all right, let's talk there. about the shakedown, Tyler. Um, you're you're. This is an event. Why don't you take us through if you've got a minute here? Why. You, why this whole deal came to be. And I, I know that you're, you're uh, younger than I am, but you kind of came of age uh, during the same era as I, where the shakedown at E-Town was this like biblical event. It was like a religious experience. We all paid attention to this event every fall. Many of the records were set. Anybody who was anybody was at this race. And I do find it interesting that as this thing was starting to flounder and looking like it was going to go the way of the dodo, you, Tommy, Judy, the team at VMP stepped in uh, and swooped this deal up. I mean, how how proud are, are you of keeping this tradition going? Uh, and and what can we expect this coming weekend?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was really special. Um, I can remember Bill Bader picked the phone up and was like, man, I'm I'm kind of done with this deal. When, after it left English Town for the 10 years with David Hance, I went to Norwalk and Bader had it. And, and Bill was just kind of like, man, I can't get good weather. I can't. It doesn't fit my schedule really good blah 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 and and i actually went up and raced it whenever i was still racing ultra street and man it's a really special race um really different feel just a cool deal and and it's i mean let's be honest it's the same class as you run in a lot of other places it's the same you're still blazing down down a racetrack you're going 660 feet that kind of thing but just the fact of being at the shakedown just because of all the history that that's where the historical side of the sport comes to being special. And man, it's, it's just a different vibe because it's, you can go on that list of winners of the shakedown and and I was four thousandths away from it. And Sean Pevlar took it from me. But, um, but whenever I had the opportunity that the phone rang and, and Bill Bader jr. Was, was gracious enough to give me that opportunity. Um, as soon as I picked the phone up and Tommy and I talked about it, it was like, yes. And i Wes, I actually think you were the first one that I called after, um, and
1: I think I told you, you no. I and you I, did. Let me to tell you I, I,
0: exactly what you told me. I remember it to this day because I was you're actually chasing ghosts. This up. Yep. Here we go. Nope. You're chasing ghosts. You need to put a new name on it. Shakedown's dead. No. Yeah. And it was. And I was. And I'm not gonna lie. You made me think about it because it was it's true. not that Shakedown was,
1: was dead. I just knew the
0: name was wore out. And well, was, and I worry sometimes.
1: And, Drag racing, it, and this is something that I think we can riff on for a minute because I, I say this to a promoters. A lot that I think that drag racers, we all have this like we have a case of glory dayitis that we're Mm -hmm. never going to kick. Right. We're never going to get rid of it. And it's it's fine. We look at the sport of drag racing through rose colored glasses, especially when we look backwards. And my fear for you as someone who I thought was and who I still feel is doing big things moving our sport in the right direction. I was worried that you were going to get distracted chasing the ghost of yesteryear because yep. we've seen it, right? I mean, we've seen it perhaps nothing there's no better example that exists than all the people that have tried to revitalize the ADRL, right? Yep. The ADRL was a that that was a moment in time that was special. It was, sp- it was. I was there. It was a special moment in time, but that moment in time has passed, and, I, and I've seen multiple people try to reinvigorate it and try to throw money at it, and that's not what does it. It's a moment in time, and that moment has in time has come and went, and I was worried for you, just being honest. Yeah. You know, I'm going tight, and I told you this. I said, we have a penchant for chasing ghosts, and I'm not so sure that you wouldn't be better off to just brand your own deal, but to my credit, you did. You didn't make it the shakedown in the forest, you know what I mean, or the shakedown amongst the trees. You made it the shakedown nationals. You you tried to put your own spin on it. And I believe you have. I mean, it started out with a, an event that was kind of co-headlined by a big money pro mod race and a Radio versus the world race um, in what, 20 or 19. It culminated in this. Um, what was it called? The shoot? At the, it was what do you Judgment call it? Judgment Day, the Radials yep. versus the the slick tire deal, which was extremely well received, and it has now settled into a big money pro mod race. Um, but man, I think you have put your own spin on it, and that's really what I think I was getting at is that it needed a it rene- it needed renewed energy, a new a, a new revive. approach, and here we are, man.
0: It did. It needed to be. It was. I'm not going to say it was on life support, but it was one of those deals where it just kind of had gotten flat. What, nothing wrong with it? It was an excellent race in Norwalk. I loved it. I had a blast when I went and raced. Do you think but, certain
1: events only work at certain venues, though? Like, God bless Summit Motorsports Park. Bill Bader uh, Jr. and company are, are, I would say, the best in the business. Number but one, I don't know that an outlaw race doesn't really fit there, right?
0: You take, but, and the way I look at it is you take an outlaw race to South Georgia, and yeah. I'm going to use Donald race as an example. You take that race to South Georgia, and it's bad to the bone. Everybody goes there. They know what they're expecting, blah, blah, blah. You take Bill Bader's nine under fire to South Georgia, and I bet it's a flop.
1: You know what, man? That's It's a valid... I, th- I mean, I think that's Just valid.
0: It, it's markets. It, you build a market, you train a market to be... And I'll be the one to say it. Virginia's a pro-mod market, 100%.
1: Yeah, door slammer-centric, no Door doubt. slammer
0: central. It, is it pro-mod? Is it pro-stock? It, it, it's everything with doors fits this place. And it has been for... The twenty some odd years that this place has been open, in my book, um, but you see that across all kinds of places. Like Summit is, in my mind, the the cornerstone of Summit is not under fire.
3: Yeah, it all, and sure. I think
0: it will always will be that way. But that is so like on point that you can take a, I mean, I, in West you'll you'll attest to this. Talking in the past, but Huntsville Dragway was based off of Orska. And I can yeah. remember growing up in that area, and Memphis was the fastest streetcar days, hot rod drag week, fastest streetcar stuff. All and that was how you built that facility. Bowling Green was uh, the hot rod reunion, and, and and it fits to this day. You look at Bowling Green, it's like that's where you got to hold the hot rod reunion. You can't hold that at Z. I guys. think
1: it's like concert venues, man. And sometimes it we is. don't recognize that enough. Like certain bands, like you can't have David Allen Co. Play the Sprint Center, you know what I mean? He has Thank to you. play Billy Bobs, right yes. you know what I mean and it's the it's just thing. certain guys sound better in a honky tonk I mean you can 't have you two at Billy Bob's in downtown Fort Worth. you know what oh. I mean like it just doesn 't work, so I think that that was always. I've talked about this before that drag racing, especially promoters and and racers at times, we struggle with an identity crisis like we want to be something we're not. And it's and it's almost like I think the summit, the group there at Summit Motorsports Park, uh, the Bader family, it's like, hey, man, we want a taste of that outlaw world you know, but we're really not outlaw. So we're going to try this. And unfortunately it's kind of a, as much as I'm sure it sucked for them. And they, their main problem was weather. If they had good weather one year, we may not be having this conversation. Right. I mean, if they had good weather, year, yeah,
0: we lost testing the year I was there. And I'm like, gosh, what am I going to (laughs) do? Yeah, man. I mean, if Uh
1: they have, if they would have had one good year of weather, who knows if we're talking right now, but you know, kind of, What's the word? Uh, Wrapping this conversation up about where the event has arrived at now, these events, these outlaw, tried and true, hardcore, door slammer-centric events, man, they they kind of belong in the southeast in a lot of cases. You know what I mean? On the east coast, you're out there in door car racing uh, territory, and I think you're about to have a, you know, dare I say it, Tyler? I think you got a barn burner on your hands. Looking back, um, I I want to touch on. I don't know if you read through that article, but I'm scrolling through this story that I posted on dragillustrated.com yesterday, um, kind of a photo documentary of everything that that happened at uh, the shakedown. And I think about Tim Lynch uh, making the first ever six second pass uh, on uh, 10 5Ws. I I think about some of the people that came and raced at this deal. Jim Halsey making the first five second pass for a nitrous car. Um, I was just about to say Halsey. Oh, man. I mean, Vinny Vidano just all you know, these I mean, moments Mike Moran showing up Mike Janice there David Hansen the twin turbo 57 Chevy I yeah. forgot that Todd Tuttero for a very short period of time raced that twin turbo orange duster yep. um yep. that exactly. uh, was initially campaigned by Dennis Radford right mm-hmm. um what a what a cool moment that was and really I think that event you know it's funny Proline is Proline one of your sponsors they should be because the shakedown, that's a brand that was almost built entirely at E-Town, right? I mean, they went up yep. there every fall to, to reset every record. It's incredible.
0: And and that was the, you know, that's how that deal started. It was, there was not really a place where you just went at the end of the year and it was a home run ball. Like that was how that race started. 100%. And, and, and I know they wanted an event they wanted to, crown champions and i mean everybody wants to do that but for the racers that was the last hoorah of the year you know your motors coming out after shakedown you know what give it that extra degree of timing it'll yeah, be okay man. and if it hurts guess what okay it's going in the box anyway like it, it was it was getting pulled out when we got back home on sunday night or monday morning anyways so that was what made that event so special was because you either were going to do big wheel stands it was going to flip over backwards you were going to blow the tires off you were going to knock the scoreboards down at Town, and you saw every bit of that and and that was what I mean. Let's just be honest. That's what fans want to see. That the unexpected. Is it gonna? What's gonna happen? You don't know. Is it gonna knock the tire off, or is it gonna fly, or what? What's it gonna do? There's and very little in between at those events.
1: Yeah, yeah, man, I agree. You, you so never
0: knew what was gonna happen.
1: You've got a, I believe it's twenty-five thousand to win big yep. tire, right? I mean, so w- what kind of uh, participation are we looking at this weekend? I mean, what's uh, the phone traffic been like? I mean, you got some hitters in the house.
0: Yep. Been pretty solid. Um, I know we've got a lot of races going on this time of year. And, you know, you got people that are chasing championships at, at PDRA and Midwest and, and all that. So it's tough for some teams to say, hey, I'm going to jump out of championship form and, and go to a, a right. one-off race. Um, but at the same time, when you throw 25000 up to win, you make people do certain things as well. Um, one thing we've done that, that we've always tried to take the account of is we could have paid 40000 to win, but we, we wouldn't have paid as many in the, on the back. So like we're paying 5,000 to the runner up. I think we're paying 2,000 or 2,500 to semis. I mean, we pay back very well. Um, so we try to spread that around to everybody that's, that's coming out to support us. And then, and when we've already got, I, we opened the gates a couple hours ago and, you know, Melanie Salemi, Rodejan Brasado, Randy Weatherford, Marcus Butner, Jay Cox, Tommy will be here. Um, so, I mean, Pro Mod's looking stout. Uh, Pro Street, we're actually paying 10,000 to win in that, which it's kind of fun to do that here because outlaw 105 was really kind of like burst onto the scene with the shakedown in my opinion um even I agree. With mile and eighth mile um I feel like that was really like the oh hey the 10 fives are cool <laughs> and that, and that happened at shakedown so we're paying ten thousand to win in pro Street uh looks like we may be looking at our first uh, 16 car field in that. Uh, well. That's
1: awesome. Man. How exciting how is that it. for you to see that kind of? Because there was a lot of people that wrote off 10.5W racing, yeah. right? Are you, Briefly. I mean, does that kind of prove your point or validate you, Tyler, that, you know, hey, whenever you brought this pro street class out, admittedly, there was a lot of people going, hmm um are there any cars that even run that anymore yeah. um but clearly there are you've had a great show all year long yeah. i think the class is a home run i mean 16 car field at the shakedown does that kind of set you up do you think that there's growth potential for that brand of drag yeah. racing in 23 and beyond
0: i do um really and i've heard this from a lot of people and and this is probably terrible to say um but like i hear it a lot from the small tire world from where i came from i mean i, I everybody a lot of people know i created and, and did a lot of racing radial stuff from 2012 to to all the way to now but those guys really are chasing somewhere to chase a championship race for solid purses and be really organized and and run a good show um with pro street coming over that that gave pro 275 cars a place to go old 10-5 cars that were you know outlaw 105 went away at cecil county and, and other places so they were really kind of like where are we going um, so we adapted the the kind of the old but new 33-10-5 uh, rule set. And, and man, it's been really successful. Um, it, of course, you want to see everything be like, oh, man, we got 20 cars in the second race. It's not. It's not obtainable. You're not going to do that. Um, if you have 20 cars in the second race, you're probably going to have eight in the third because you've messed something up. But it's been a slow growth. Um, we've done a really good job, and I'm proud of the team that, that we have at PDRA that has put that together um, and has done a good job keeping the rules tight and, and adapting to things that are, you know, hey, we missed this. Let's make a change now. Hey, we've missed this. Let's make a change now to really not let the class get away from us. Um, Jason Ruckert and I have done that with LDR for the last seven or eight years, and that class has really stayed tight um, in comparison to a Pro 275 or a Radio Versus the World that, you know, you see that record number drop a tenth, two tenths over a couple of years. Um, you know, LDR, we were looking at – I think the first record we ever had was 412, 411. And now the record's still like a 395. And that's seven over the span of eight, maybe even nine years wow. now. So, you know, to see that comparison, now we bring that into the slick tire world um, with the PDRA, with Shakedown, with everything we're doing at Virginia. Um, you know, I really see that being something that's successful. I see. I feel like that's – I feel like racers will look at that and go – they care about the longevity. They don't care about what's happening now. They don't care about the scoreboard getting burned to the ground. We've all been fast, and I said this about track prep the other day. We we all get in that, but I want the record in my place. Look, record's going to get broke next week. Doesn't really matter. Engine builder is going to come up with something better, Pro Charger or Precision Turbo, or somebody's going to build a bigger blower or a better turbo or a better better something. Brandon Schweitzer's is going to build a better nitrous solenoid. Somebody's always going to do something better. When it comes to performance, 100 percent, without a doubt, records are made to be broken. We've all said that. Guinness is not in business to print one book and and be done. Let's be honest. Um, But to to give somebody a longevity class, a very close class across the board. We've seen Pro Charger win this year. We've seen Roots Blower win. We've seen Twin Turbo win. Small Block Twin Turbo has been fast, but hasn't got a win yet. Screw Blower should have won the last race, but got beat on a whole shot. So, we really have yet to see a nitrous car come in, but there's been a couple that have been talking that, hey, I'm, I'm on the way. I'm just, I, I'm out of parts or I'm work or something. You know, there's guys that are right on that edge of, hey, I'm ready to make the jump, but probably not this year. And I'm going to ask you to help uh, us
1: uh, uh, introduce our next guest. But before I do, Tyler, yep. um, and I'm not trying to set anything on fire here, but do you think the seasonality of being able to race on a slick Year round throughout the season, no matter the conditions. Because I think we all, you know, perhaps no one in this conversation more so than you loves radial tire racing. Uh, I mean, more so. You're, you're a huge yeah. fan of this type of, of racing. But let's be honest, we have seen that it is not something that can be consistently contested um, year-round, especially in the heat of summer. So I wonder here, while we're early in September, I think this is still qualifies as early in September, it's hot out, right? We're going to have a lot of direct sunlight, a lot of warm days. It's tough. Do you think racers are kind of gravitating towards the fact that they can run the car on slicks all year?
0: As bad as I hate to say it, and racers are a creature of habit, let's just be honest hey i had this tune up in the semis last race i was in i'm gonna roll that thing out of the trailer with the same tune up it's not gonna work like we don't want to move weights we don't want to change the travel we don't want to adjust the shocks we don't want to change the tune up we don't want to push the lock up out we don't want to we don't want to change anything to slow down why would you want to do that but but we have that and that mindset has gotten into the radio world so bad And, and and that's the worst part of it i like when we were racing our car in ultra street i can remember coming off the trailer with, you know, we made four percent weight swings because of because of the racetrack just not being not being there yet. That's not anybody's fault. That's not a track prep guy's fault. That's not traffic fault. It's just the nature of the beast. And that mindset in small tire racing is gone. It, it I don't know why, because to me that was the fun part. Hey, I have to make my car go down this racetrack. We did it with Daniel Ferris's car for a ton of years. We did it with mine you know, Daniels had 14 cars, but we were never scared to move anything. And now it's like, people are like, I have this setup that works and I was fast with this setup, so I don't want to change it. But that's not the fun part anymore. And and to be able to put slicks on, you don't have to make those changes as much because the, you know, that, that same tune up that worked at 85 degrees may still work at 90 if you just push the lockup out or you stretch the timing curve down a little bit more. You don't have to make as much of a swing on the chassis where on a radio car you do. Um, and I think that's attractive to a lot of people and being able to I race. Can't I can't like,
1: imagine like, it's not, you know, like, you know. and that's what's tough is I remember it wasn't that long ago that I had, you know, people in my ears saying before long, every car in drag racing is going to be on a radio. And I just yep. kept going, eh, I don't know, man. You know, mm-hmm. this you've got a whole lot of guys that don't want to, you know, don't want to move things around you know what I mean and they need a fairly wide window to operate in especially if you're running at some NHRA national event you don't know who you're running behind or what time of day you're running 5 a.m or 10 o'clock at night or behind top fuel you don't know so you need a little bit wider of a window Tyler I need your help buddy and I really appreciate your time real quick uh, I believe you probably grew up next door to this old boy right? Yeah, um, he's, you guys, he's
0: a good fellow, man.
1: You guys may be next door neighbors. Would you Would you help me uh, introduce our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only uh, uh, Clay Milliken. What, what do you know about this old
0: boy? So Clay, I, I'll be the one to say it. I was 11 or 12 years old. I oh, was at a bracket a race in Jackson, story. Tennessee. Um, And I looked up, my dad was bracket racing. We had our 69 Camaro there. And I looked up and I, I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, that's Clay Milliken. Why is Top Fuel Clay Milliken at Jackson Dragway? And Clay walked over, never missed a beat, walked up, introduced himself, and we hung out and talked. And I've been close friends with Clay ever since that day. Um, man, it's freaking awesome to have him on board. I hate we're not gonna get to see it at Virginia this year or next year going forward, but I can tell you we're gonna I'm gonna have to come out and come come be on the crew for one weekend because I, I miss my boy Clay and and getting to hang out with you all the time.
2: Well, I tell you what what I always think about Tyler's this kid running around with a camera around his neck that was about the same size he was and taking photos (laughs) of everything. If there's ever been a kid eat up with drag racing, it is definitely Tyler. And you can just continue to move forward with, uh, everything you do. I mean, think about it from Jackson, Tennessee to around the world, track prepping, drag racing. I mean, events, you're, you're one of my heroes, buddy. I don't care if you are, here. you know, uh, a kid, but you're still. You're still a bad <laughs> hey, I just
0: dude. turned thirty. Give me a break. Can I? Can I get past the kid thing?
2: Are you thirty?
0: I turned thirty on September fourth.
1: Man, finally. it's over now. It's <laughs> over. all no. I'm just joking. Clay, <laughs> real quick, don't before we let Tyler go. Do you guys ever like take a step back and you know, Clay? You and I found uh, we bumped into one another uh, eight thousand miles from home in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago. Do you guys ever do what I do and pinch yourself? Because I think at times drag racing, this whole community, we feel small. You know what I mean? Like it's easy to feel like we're not Formula One. We're not NASCAR, blah, blah, blah. But man, the sport of drag racing has taken the three of us around the world. We earn a living going to drag. I
0: just got a phone call yesterday to go back to Kuwait over the winter. So it's like I did it today. I'm like, this can't be real. Like just a real old country boy redneck from, from Bells, Tennessee. Like what is this? But it's so cool. And and we do it all the time of just saying, man, we're all so blessed to get the the chances that we do and to have the, the opportunities that we all do. I mean, Clay with the new team owner, I'm sure that's going to be a huge deal going forward for his program and, and Wes, all your stuff you're doing at Drag Illustrated and me with, with Virginia and PDRA with the Franklin family, like, we're all blessed to get to do what we love, man. We all could be in a factory or at McDonald's flipping burgers. Like, I mean, th- th- we, we have the best job in the world, there even though no some doubt. days people, do- even though some days people don't think that
2: <laughs> I can tell y'all this, there are times where I wake up and it is an absolute nightmare of dreaming of pulling orders at the Kroger food warehouse, because I did that for living for 11 years. I have never once woke up from a dream going, Oh man, I got to go drive a top fuel car. Yes.
1: Dang it. You know, know? no, no, it's an incredible thing, man. And I just, sometimes I just want people want to make sure that people are hearing that because I know there's some 15, 16 year old kid spraying water in a water box the same way I did, you know, sunburnt, right? Miserable uh haven't had anything to eat but like six cokes and some chicken strips from the concession stand wondering if this is worth it and i'm here to tell you it is man because the sport of drag racing this is a really unique community of people you never know who you're gonna bump into it it may be rick ware right a guy that's a nascar team owner it may be tommy franklin right a a very successful businessman that owns a drag strip you mean you just never know who you're going to encounter at the racetrack and how it can impact your future. So, Tyler, I think Clay, I'll speak for Clay and I. We're very, very proud of you, young man. And we wish you nothing but the best this weekend at the Shakedown Nationals. Give us the details uh, of the race before we cut you loose, right? Like dates, location, times, days, classes,
0: et cetera. Dates is pretty obvious. It's this weekend. If if nobody's figured that out until now, it's this weekend. We're parking right now. Uh, Testing starts tomorrow at 11. uh, Q1 tomorrow at 6 p.m. For all our heads up classes, Friday qualifying, Saturday, we go racing. Pro Mod, Pro Street, LDR, X275, Ultra Street, MPC Real Street. We, we got a packed house. We'll put on some of the best bracket racing too. We got a Super 64 shootout that if Tommy will get out of the way and let me slide in a dragster, I may have to see if I remember how to do it.
1: Well, hey, man, be careful. <laughs> Good luck. We'll be thinking of you. We'll Thanks, be guys. watching and uh, keep us posted, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyler Crossno. Thanks, buddy. Thanks,
0: Thanks guys. Tyler.
1: All right, guys. Uh, Clay, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Real quick here, uh, JT, let me pay some bills real quick before we dive into this uh, deep conversation with whom I believe to be a living legend here in drag racing, Clay Milliken. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, let me take a minute to remind you all that the West Buck Show is brought to you by way of our friends at Redline Synthetic Oils. Redline has a reputation with racers and hardcore enthusiasts for creating products that perform and protect better than any on the market, and they've been doing it since 1979, baby. Whether it's your race car, your tow rig, your motorcycle, or your lawnmower, when you think about lubricants, you need to think about Redline. For more information, log on to redlineoil.com. We're about 10 minutes behind schedule, Clay. I apologize. Ooh, 16 minutes behind schedule. Oh my goodness, I'm blushing. Um, what's going on, man? Will you take us through this insanity that is... I gotta be honest, I was blindsided by this deal. I told you that yesterday. That I had no idea this was coming down the pike. Um, I opened my eyes one moment and... We've got a new team owner in drag racing, and this is a big domino to fall. Mm. Rick Ware, uh, a very established name and and commodity in NASCAR racing, IMSA, I believe the Supercross motocross world as well, diving in to top fuel. Can you kind of tell us the story?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is something that uh, Rick Ware has been wanting to go drag racing for a while now. I mean, if you think back to, I think it was Charlotte last year, our car was flat black. Of course, mm-hmm. it had parts plus on it, but we had nurtech on the side of the car, which is one of Rick's, you know, major partners in the NASCAR side of things and the Indy car. And at that point, him and Doug were actually talking about, you know, uh, him coming in, being part of our team, and, and it just didn't work out. Well, fast forward to Topeka this year, Doug and I were sitting on the back of the tow vehicle talking and you know, it uh, it, it kind of came up again. You know, what about what Rick Ware's trying to do? You know, he's he's already buying equipment. He's he's got parts and pieces already on order. And man, this thing literally happened from start to finish in five or six days. And wow. part of the reason how that happened so fast was because these conversations had taken place a year ago, and so you know, some of the paperwork, that sort of thing was already kind of done. And man, it has moved in a hurry, you know, but Rick was already in, the, it, you know, he was full steam ahead. You know, he's already got trucks and trailers sitting there and he's got, you know, a brand new car being built at Schumacher's. He's got parts and pieces coming in. Well, he wanted to be out there this year. You know, he wanted to have his you know, all of his sponsors from the NASCAR and IndyCar and car world in drag racing. And, and one of the things that was so exciting to me about this, and I, I was obviously, I've been really fired up about it, is with all those things that, that Rick Ware Racing has going, his biggest selling point to me to, to say, yes, I want to be a part of this, was drag racing is going to be one of the cornerstones of our entire operation. And a big part of that is because of what we all take for granted, and that is the opportunities for the fans to be right there. The guy obviously lo- loves NASCAR. So do I. I mean, my son's name is Kale after Kale Yarbrough. But once the race starts, the fans are in the grandstands, and that's it. There is no more interaction. You know, there there's none of that's happening, and that's what makes drag racing so awesome. And it also, and this is me saying this, it is also what makes it so suited for the world today. We all want instant results. You you were talking UFC fighting earlier. Drag racing is exactly like a fist fight. There's a winner and loser and it really happens quickly. And that's what we have with drag racing and and then we you know we have these awesome hospitality opportunities and we know it, we love it, but it's pretty cool to me to have somebody from from the NASCAR, IndyCar world to go Man, I gotta be there. That's where you know we can grow, and we can continue to grow our company, and we can continue to make our sponsors more appreciate what we're doing out here because the opportunities in drag racing are so much better for for that, you know. And of course, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here to everybody watching, you know, the West Buck Show. We know that. But don't you? I mean, for me, it's a touch validating,
1: right? Like it makes me want to take a step back and be like. I knew we weren't stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I knew we were right because I agree, right? I look at these other sports and I think about, you nailed it, man. I think about the ever-shortening attention span of, Mm -hmm. you know, not only the American, the average American consumer, but consumers around the world. You know, drag racing plays right into the hand of that, right? We get this stuff sorted out quickly, right? right? We we don't need to spend two, three, four, five hours to figure out who's who, right? We can do it right now. You know, give us about a quarter mile of concrete and five seconds and we'll figure out who's who. And it's it seems like we have not been. I think our sport should be. I don't mean to. I'm very content and very happy with where our sport is. I'm proud and all, I'm grateful, all these things. But I do think there's more out there for us, Clay. I really do I think there's more out there for guys like you. I think about guys, someone like you, Clay, that's an incredible ambassador for the sport of drag racing, clean cut, good looking, well spoken, all these things. And I wonder like this cat should be flying to the races on a private jet. This guy should be sponsored by Nabisco or whatever. I mean, he should have whatever he wants and you know, and I I'm not going to let go of that because I think that chip on my shoulder kind of makes me me, but it's I have thought at times, like, man, if we could get some of these guys from these other walks of their motorsports life, if we could get them over here, maybe they could see it. And that's just very validating to me personally yeah. to hear that Rick Ware, you know, who guy a guy who has made a business out of being in the NASCAR space, not necessarily yep. going out and winning every championship, but yep. he's he's turned it into a business by being there. Yeah. Seeing him over here and then hearing you say that drag racing is going to be a, a bedrock piece of his operation moving forward. I mean, do you feel that way? I mean, do you, are you walking around
2: with your chest puffed out, man? I mean, you should be excited. Oh, well, I mean, of course, you know, I mean, it is, you know, I've always touted this and and I'm still going to, you know, somewhat because I've never been part of the factory teams. Me and you've had this conversation on yeah. this very show. You know, I've always been part of a little team, you know, and, and I think this opportunity is huge. Are we still going to be a single car team? Yes, we are. You know, but this guy had bought, a 17,000-square-foot building in Mooresville. He's already, you know, got in place all of these NASCAR connections that are going to work with our team, which is crazy to me. I mean, because we're not going to necessarily have to go out, you know, and ship things off and do this, that, and other. There's so much equipment and so many things available in the in that, that Mooresville area, the whole Charlotte area, you know, uh, I mean – We don't have to have a CNC shop sitting in there because there's one right there. There's one next door. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, and it's and I don't.
1: I hope I'm not uh, talking out of turn here, but I heard a rumor this morning. Okay, that Rick maybe personally showed up at that shop in Mooresville. What was this? Maybe the week of Indy with like all brand a bunch of brand new parts. He like like Santa Claus. He showed up up.
2: at Indy, like literally at the racetrack. I mean it, like, it hey, was, we're not
1: running anything that's got runs on it, it was, new rods new cranks, new piss new everything
2: absolutely crazy and i mean we go to the races with two tractor trailer rigs and and they get mad at me but i call our team the kids because they're kids to me and they're they, they come to me and they're all giddy you know every department's got new parts and pieces and and they're like we don't have where nowhere to put all this stuff. What are we gonna do with it? You know, and that's so awesome. So I had drove, you know, I, I drive to a lot of the races, and so if anybody had known to go break into the stacker trailer behind my motorhome, they could have started a top fuel operation because it was <laughs> slam jam full of parts and pieces the whole indie week, you know, which is great, you know, and you know it's been it's just been amazing that this guy was so ready to jump in that he had already started doing all this and the opportunity, you know, him and Doug had a conversation, like say started at Topeka and boom, it moved that quick. And you know, the, uh, the trucks and trailers left Indy, they went to Mooresville, you know, and of course, I mean, they have this massive shop that that's now, you know, gotta be kind of set up for drag racing. You know, they do things different in the NASCAR world, but, but Rick's like, whatever we gotta do, you know, this, this shop is not got doesn't house his NASCAR team. It has the IMSA team, and the top field team and his office is there it's not at the nascar shop so that he moved his office to this building because this is how excited he is about it i mean the wow. guy's coming to reading this weekend for friday he's literally going to hop on a plane saturday because he's got to be at bristol you may have heard of the nascar race in bristol it's kind of a big deal so he's, yeah he's, i've heard know. it a couple times <laughs> so but he's coming friday just to watch qualifying friday and you know, I'm I'm pumped up about it. Everybody on the team is pumped up about it. It's a great opportunity. And I got to say this, you know, we got a lot of people watching. I'm looking at my phone over here. Doug Stringer is still part of this. Doug's working with the team. You know, I'm still talking to him every I day. I saw him in Indy. You know? yeah. yeah, you know, so, I mean, it's been a very smooth, seamless thing for for such a big transformation you know and uh we still got to move stuff from from the shop in illinois it's got to get there and these there's so many things that's going to happen like the trucks and trailers that he bought and those we're going to move in into the off season we got a car that's running really really good right now and we didn't want to disrupt that now adding parts and pieces that's not a disruption that's that's a plus you know and uh man the whole thing is just unbelievably exciting you know and it's fun learning you know how they operate versus how we operate. The things that they do that we probably should be doing, and and I think there's probably some things we do that they are like, man, we should be doing that over. You know, whether it be the IndyCar or the you know or whatever. You know, but we get these on, and it's nice to be part of a, a gigantic world. And I don't mean just be a part of it. I mean, be right in the middle of it, you know, with a guy that... Has
1: there been anything that jumps out? And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I do. That was one of the questions I had kind of in the back of my head going clay's an observative guy he's paying attention like do you look at that MSA program and go oh we should be doing that or do you look at the IndyCar deal and go oh there may be some opportunity there has there been I know it's just a couple of weeks old yeah. but have there been anything that you've been able to pick out from these other racing opportunity or excuse me racing operations that you want to apply to your own program
2: well I gotta be honest you know it's uh it's been so overwhelming. There hasn't been any, any one thing that, that makes me go, wow, we got to do that. You know, but one of the things that I'm really interested in that I know that they do differently, you know, is some of the hospitality stuff on the MSA side of things, you know, that's such a big part of what we do and our partners, you know, Parks Plus has been with me for 12 years now and they're, they continue to race with, with, with us because of hospitality. So for me, I'm excited to look and see how they do what they're doing that maybe we should be doing. And and I think all of it is going to take a little bit of time because the last two weeks has been nonstop. How do we, you know, how do we we integrate into what we're doing and bring in all these parts and pieces that he showed up with and, you know, start to move to Mooresville. So to answer your question, nothing yet, but I know it's coming.
1: For sure. I mean, and, and the reason I'm looking around here and I just I wanted to get my, my facts straight. I mean, you qualified fifth with a 370 with a 7 at the U.S. Nationals amidst the quickest field in the history of drag racing. And it, it, it begs the question, is that a direct reflection of all brand new parts and pieces, all brand new, you know, a, a new approach? I mean, because that was an impressive performance. To be in the top half of that particular field is doing something out here, Clay Milliken
2: well it certainly doesn't hurt i mean did did uh jimbo go in there and just like throw the kitchen sink at it no because we know that don't necessarily work when you haven't been throwing the kitchen sink at it but what it does is it frees up your mind a little bit to go okay if we hurt it we're okay we got another one in the trailer you know that that frees up your thinking a little bit and to be honest same with me driving the car a little bit so i was going to ask next and i got a backup you talked about that 370 i got to. I got a, a new YouTube video be coming out tomorrow kind of recapping our last five races, our car. And this is before all the new parts showed up. Actually it includes Indy in this video that's coming out, but our last five races, our car has been beaten first round five races in a row. And if you add them all up, add them all up. 0. five first round losses by a 10th of the second total. And I'm telling you right now, and this is kind of getting off subject a little bit, but if you think NHRA top fuel racing is not the best it's ever been right now, you would be incorrect. And that's, (laughs) I I talk about it in this YouTube video, that's coming out tomorrow, you would be incorrect. (laughs) You would be incorrect. (laughs) Think about that five first round losses no tire smokers, no hole shots, no nothing, five races by a tenth. I lost one to Sean Langdon at Topeka by point zero 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 five. I lost first round at Indy by .007. So that's two races that's 100th and a it's well, insane. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's a comment here that says NHRA is the most competitive it's ever been, and I would I would support that. I mean, I look at it from really your category, the top down, yep. top fuel, funny car is bonkers. Pro stock is bonkers right yep. now. It's, uh, it's weird because you, you got to be careful because if I, you know, if I am like a fool. I have all of our notifications turned on on the Drag Illustrated Facebook page. So every time I get called a name or whatever, it pops up on here, right? And it's crazy how people want to, it's like they're talking about the NHRA from like 2008 or something. It's they're, they're not paying attention in my particular opinion, because this is as nasty as it's ever been. And I don't know how you can be anything other than excited about it. I mean, the countdown, I posted a quote card on social earlier that Tony Schumacher identified that there's 12 cars in the top fuel countdown. I'm not, I don't know that you can count any of them out. I mean, right here and now Clay Milliken
2: squeaks into this deal. We could be talking to you in a couple of weeks where you're going, Hey man, we got a shot. I mean, talking about them five first round losses, I'll I just keep telling everybody that'll listen. Sooner or later, when that first win light comes on, first round, I say everybody's in trouble because you can't keep losing that many close races and it not go the other way. You know, it's uh, it's the greatest it's ever been right now. And and I know we're gonna see, oh, I missed the quarter mile, I missed that, and I missed, you know, whatever. This is as hardball of drag racing there's ever been. Every aspect of every part of the race car is now being looked at, from reaction times to the speed to the to the elapsed time to the superchargers. You name it; it's all getting looked at because there ain't no one powerhouse anymore. I mean, you know, Steve Torrance obviously has been the the king, and they've they're they're not knocking them off left and right. You know, they've won one this year. You know obviously britney's car has been you know the most dominant but nobody has just took and run away with this thing i mean here i am i, I think i'm tied with austin proc and we're 11 and 12 and we're talking about a john force car is 12 right? in points or whatever you know i I gotta admit i'm not the the most stat guy i don't i don't sit there and focus it i'm not I, I laugh at people all the time they come ask me you know where are you qualified at i'm like I don't know who you're in. Round? I don't know, you know, and and now it's even kind of funnier. My normal line to that is, it really doesn't matter because I can't give them the old bump and run like in the NASCAR world, which now that kind of ties into to being part yeah. of a NASCAR team. But I am the guy that that literally, you know, I take it where we're at right now. What do we got to do? You know, yes, I ask if we're not qualified, but if we go out and run 370 like we did at Indy, I'm over that. Okay, let's what are we doing for the next run? You know, but drag racing is absolutely incredible. I think it's on an upward trajectory. You know, you, you, me and you, I know are bad about this. Like we read comments and we get thousands of good ones, but we let the one bad one stick in our head, you know, and it's like, Oh, you know, that guy says we should be quarter mile racing well, or whatever it is, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, I mean, we're not, you know, we're not, you know? You know? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. is. And you know what?
1: You're, you're a hundred percent right. Because when I look at it right now, there's more energy and enthusiasm around NHRA drag racing than I've seen in a long time. I mean, it, the storylines are there. We've got some of the old guards, so to speak, like some of the usual suspects, but we also have some fresh faces and that goes in every category. We've got some, you know, independent teams that are forces to be reckoned with. We've got some multi-car operations that are still doing what they do. It's an exciting time to be a part of drag racing. And it's like in top fuel, you know, I saw somebody boo-hooing about the countdown format. Uh, To be honest, it has has really worked out. I mean, if you look at it from 30,000 feet and you really try to look at the lay of the land and go, man, this deal, A, 69, almost 70% of the time, the points leader ends up winning the deal. So it's not like all those traditionalists – that want it to be an ongoing points standings. Hey, that's typically what happens. But it also has given us a really exciting into the year. And I don't know that I've ever been more excited about the countdown as like a function. You know, like this six race series, it seems like people start to tune in. And like if I'm judging by Drag Illustrated's DMs or or comments, Mm -hmm. you know, Vegas, Pomona, people are locked in. Well, I'm telling you what, man. Kenny Koretsky should be excited because I think everybody's pretty fired up for Maple Grove this weekend. Can you tell us, like, do you have any sort of strata? I mean, obviously it's one round at a time and race whoever's in the other lane. I I know those things. But kind of take us through your guys' approach. Do you feel like the opportunity, you had a big week, you know, ran well, uh, got some momentum, maybe some mojo headed in the right direction. Do you feel like we got to make a big move in Maple Grove if we're going to do this deal?
2: Oh, 100%. I mean – Me and Donna have been wearing out the old weather app, you know, to see what the weather's going to look like. I mean, and the weather looks good, which means it's going to be fast. And we always know that, you know, Reading is a good racetrack that you can go really, really fast. at. actually was on the phone with, with Jimmo last night, you know, and we're talking, you know, what do we got to do to run three sixties because we know that's what it's going to take. And we need to start turning on those wind lights. You know, it makes me kind of go back. And, and again, I'm a horrible statistician, especially when it ain't even me. But I think about, I believe it was Robert Hyde a few years ago, you know, that won, I don't know how many races in a row and went from like eighth place in points to the championship. Tenth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, you know, those are exactly what we're thinking about. You know, the, the countdown, is definitely changed you know everything and of course that kind of come from the nascar world you know with with their playoff system and it does make it exciting you know i mean i knew you know going into indy like hey i'm not going to leave here in, in first place but now with the reset it's like the whole season starts over with and i know that I have the opportunity if we go out and turn wind lights on and we obviously can't slip up anywhere. You know, if you're coming from where we're at, you've got to turn on wind lights at every race that there is left for the, you know, the rest of the year. And man, it's exciting and it's just doubly exciting for us because we got so many new things going, you know, with Rick Ware racing coming in here. And, and uh, like you said, kind of being Santa Claus, you know, he's filling up, filling up the trailer with parts and pieces so that, that we know we can go out there and get after it. And, I know our car is capable. I mean, you know, the thing went 70 at Indy, you know, we go 72 first round and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all there for the taking and the countdown is awesome. And I will say that there was a time, you know, when I was racing IHRA and, and cleaning house over there, I probably would have been like Steve Torrance was and like, man, this ain't right. You know, I don't work so hard to build this points lead and then it all gets taken away. But, it makes it more exciting for the fans because it's a clean slate. We're going to finish the season up and it's all wide open for everybody out there. Those, those opportunities are there and I'm looking forward to, to taking my share of them.
1: I'm glad to hear you say that. And I'm, I'm glad to hear you reference the fans because I do think that that's, it seems like for whatever reason, John force the last couple of weeks has been on a celebrate the fans tirade. Um, every time I hear him quoted, it's something about the fans, but I thought, you know what, uh, That probably can't be said enough, right? Because no matter how it affects we racers, we on this side of the fence, they're the ones that matter, right? And if it's not exciting and interesting for them, it's all for nothing. And so it's like yeah, you kind of got to table those complaints because this has been working. It has been a successful formula. We've seen the the championship come down to the final race. Oftentimes, the final couple of rounds of the final race of the season year after year after year. And how can you complain about that? I mean, it's,
2: I think it's working out. It's paying dues, man. Oh, I mean, I agree. You know, the, the fans are hundred percent everything. It's, It's the reason that I try to stay so active on social media. I try to let everybody know what's going on. It's the very reason why we show so many things that's happening in our pit area, you know, through the YouTube channel and everywhere else we can do it because I appreciate that these folks, especially with how much fuel costs now and everything else costs, they are coming to the races to watch us. You know, why Why be the guy that, that uh, our girl that that's like turned your head away from them people? I mean, without them, we ain't doing nothing. And again, I just told you I have nightmares about going back to the Kroger Food Warehouse, you know, pulling orders. You know, the, I want to keep doing this and I'm, like, I'm going to do everything I can to do to make sure that people enjoy it and have fun and pay attention to what we're doing. And yes, I get out of the car and smile after a loss. Am I happy? Absolutely not. But I'm still driving a car, you know, that win, lose, or draw. I remember being that kid standing on the other side of the ropes going, man, how cool is this? And and now I'm I'm that guy, you know, so you should appreciate it. You know, why don't, Why do you smile all the time? I get to ask that a lot. Everybody should because you just can't take anything for granted. Enjoy it while you got it and, and just absolutely have a blast with it. And trust me, there, there can be things worse in your life than losing first round and you know I've, I've lived it and I know it and I'm just going to keep on doing what I do and I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability every time I get the opportunity to do it. I'm gonna try to make a fan happy. I'm gonna try to you know make the car go faster and I'm gonna try to you know make sure that I can keep doing this for a long time.
1: I like to say drag racing is something that we get to do, you know, and it's uh, it's absolutely a blessing. And I got to tell you one last thing here before we let you go. And I surely appreciate your candor and your time this afternoon. Clay, Um, you're always so gracious with your time. I got the rare opportunity to climb into a top fuel car at the NHRA U.S. Nationals. As I told you yesterday, I was only there for on Friday and uh, I climbed and I have a it was like an epiphany moment for me. You know, I because that I mean, I've been in a lot of race cars or whatever. Um, And it, but I'm telling you, that first experience of being in a car like that, I was telling this to Kepner, Brett Kepner over the weekend. I've it changed me, you know, like I'm the ultimate pro mod door slammer guy. Right. It, it's no secret. And I and I still am. However, sitting in that car, having it v- idle so violently like it's violent it's so violent at idle i thought it was going to come off the projects. you know yeah. what i mean like it's so oh, yeah. just at idle and whenever i pulled that lever push that lever to turn on the the second fuel pump and it starts breathing heavy how they do you yeah. know I, I go i i get it like i totally get it I totally get it. Yep. I, and, and I'm and you know, I whacked the throttle, didn't hold it down. I hand to God, I will hold it down before it's all said and done. Um, hopefully sooner rather than later. But I'm telling you that experience. Can you like, can you take us through that? Do you remember the first time you ever hit the la- stomped on the loud pedal of a fuel car?
2: I, I absolutely do. So I got my license with Paul Smith. And we were planning on actually getting my license at Richmond, you know, just having Tyler on here is kind of funny, but it rained on the, on the Monday that we were going to do it. But we started the car up. So for me, that was the first time I sit in one and that, and what you experienced is hundred percent correct. When you're sitting in that thing and it's running and you're not touching anything, like you're just sitting there. It is an absolute monster. You can tell through every part of your body that this thing is unbelievably powerful. Now, fast forward to West Palm Beach. That's where I ended up driving the car for the first time. And I've never claimed to be a tough guy. I never will. But when I started to put my helmet on to know I'm going to go stomp on the loud pedal of a whatever they were back then, 8,000 horsepower top fuel car, I thought I was going to throw up. And this was something that I had dreamed about doing my entire life. That's all I've ever thought about is, man, I want to drive one of these cars. But for the briefest moment, I was like, man, I'm, a, I'm fixing to throw up right here, but I get in the car, you know, and, and I went through everything that, that Paul Smith and Mike Smith and John Smith told me to do what to expect. And Paul had told me, he's like, hit the throttle. If you can drive it, you know, 300 feet or whatever the case is. So, I do everything, stomp on the loud pedal. I go to 330 feet, shut it off. And I was like, wow, there is nothing I've ever done that comes close to what that felt like. But at the same time, I got this feeling of like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I can do this. And man, I've been on a mission ever since then. And I can, I can tell you that uh, I just said, I'm horrible with stats but I got my top field license May 10th, 1998, and all I've ever done since then is uh, do my dangest to figure out how to keep being out here and keep doing this because that is something that there is no waste, done all kinds of stuff. You know, we talked about the opportunities that drag racing gave us. Drag racing has gave me the opportunity to do a lot of amazing things, but nothing compares to a top field dragster.
1: It's I I mean, I'm like I said, I sat in the thing at idle, and just the whole experience and it really is the violence of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just a violent, violent happening. And then it's also the, the synergy that's required from all these people, because the first thing I did when I got out of the car after it was over um, was you. I was kind of humbled by all these people that are working on it. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I immediately thought all right, this son of a gun doesn't even run, crank up if it's not for these guys. Because I, I immediately thank sh- to Scott Palmer, of course, because he's the one who made that happen. But I, I look at these crew guys and i it, it's a real humbling moment because you know how many people have their hands in this thing and yes. how much attention to detail there is, um, the way, the, the order of events. That's the thing that I think I found so interesting because – Talking through the warm up process with Scott Palmer initially, he it was so funny. He goes, uh, "Once you really hear it idling good, you know what I mean." And he goes, "You'll know." And I just think, <laughs> "Okay, great, I'll know." And he goes, "Give her a one alligator and whack the throttle." And I just thought, like, it, it's just so funny the the sequence of events and you, you, how complicated it really because it doesn't seem like that big of a deal right? On the outside looking in, you sat in a car while it was idling, but just the whole sequence of events. And then I think about people such as yourselves that have been able to standardize this process, repeat it consistently thousands of times in a row, despite whether there's six people in the stands or 60,000 people in the stands, despite whether it's live on TV or it's tape delayed. And it really just enhanced my appreciation for and I'm not not that yourself or Matt Hagan aren't badasses, but it, it really enhanced my appreciation for when I think about, like, Britney Force doing that, yep. you know what I mean? Or Alexis DeJoria. I'm going, I, I tip my cap to him. I tip my cap to all of y'all. Because just hitting the throttle in the water seems like it would be something that you have to think about.
2: Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know? 100%. You know, it's funny, you know, talking about – the process. And there's two things I want to bring up. One is you mentioned all those people that, that it takes to make those cars operate, go out and, and freaking red light, go out and lose Ugh. on the whole shot and have to pull back in that pit area and look at all those people that had worked as hard as they could possibly work to put you in a situation to go out there and do your job and you mess it up. You know, I mean, boy, it's, it's tough. But the second part of that is, is you got a little bit of an idea. There's a lot more going on in the car that a driver has to do than, than it appears from the outside. Uh, A few months ago, I posted a video of how to drive a top field dragster. It's been watched by over 200,000 people and it continually is, is at the top of the charts on on my YouTube analytics because people want to know, you know, I mean, we're in there, we got these body panels and I mean, you know, they have, it has to be that way, but you know, if you kind of peel back that onion a little bit and it's like, it's a little more going on in here than what you think, you know, it's yes, we're drag racing. We're trying to go straight down a racetrack, but there's a lot more happening to go that fast in that short amount of time than anybody really realizes. And I think that's why so many people, you know, if they get the opportunity you do, it's like, wow, this is, this is a lot happening here.
1: I mean, and how about a shout out to like everybody that's involved in, you know, cause all these crew guys, you know, it's like the lineman on a football team. You know, the quarterback gets all the praise and the crew chief, maybe the offensive coordinator, or the head coach. But if it's not for those guys that are in the trenches, because I think about you can go up there and do your job perfectly well. But if the guy who's checking the air in the tires, yeah. you know, has a gauge that's not calibrated, you know what I mean? Correctly or whatever, or yeah. put 27 pounds of air in the tires. No matter what anybody else did, no matter what any super yep. tuner did, no matter what the world, the greatest driver of the history of the world did, it's all for naught, you know, and to, to, for have, there's so many ways to screw this deal up. And especially when you're dealing with nitro methane, you know, because yep. that was another thing that like running through everything with Rick and Scott's team there, you know, just the, the, the safety conscientiousness that exists yep. that it's like, Hey, what we're doing is really dangerous and yep. we have to do this the right way. It's an incredible thing, man. and I appreciate you highlighting that because it's that's always something that that's heavy on my heart. I know I see a driver heartbroken um not because he lost typically, but because he let his guys down
2: oh and Gals, 100%. you know yeah, exactly. I mean, you know it's it is way worse. I mean, you know, I beat myself up when I would do something wrong or whatever, but man, it's just heartbreaking to pull back in there and get out and it's like, man, I'm sorry, you know whatever, but it's part of the game. You know, when you're racing at the level we we've, we've been talking about how competitive it is, you know, sometimes you make a mistake, you know, sometimes you stomp on that loud pedal and the tree wasn't on, you know, I mean, that's just part of it. You know, it does it happen, is. but man, there is just nothing like it. You know, the, uh, the adrenaline rush of doing it. And, you know, I, I've worked with a couple of doctors for a few years now that, that have monitored what happens to me in the car. And it's been amazing. I don't understand some of the stuff they have discovered, you know, and this is, this was while they were in college. They're now both doctors, but my heart rate is actually at its highest during the burnout. And it comes down for the run, you know, and I found, I found that really, really interesting. You know, yeah. that I don't know if, you know, it's like, yes, burnouts are fun <laughs> yeah. or it's like, okay, it started its run and now it's time to go. And, it, and, you,
1: and you settle that. into it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But man, I hope you get the opportunity because you will never be the same. And, you know, Rick Ware has been asking me 9,000 questions, you know, and he's driven NASCAR. He's driven, you know, he's done all that stuff. And he's like, man, what do you think? You know, and I'm like, we got to get you in, in in a bracket car. We got to get you through the staging process. But the dude's been 200 at Daytona. You need to go 300. you got to find out what this feels like because I wish everybody got the opportunity, you know, I wish everybody could go take a ride with Larry Dixon. Not everybody may want to drive one of these things, but right. just to experience the acceleration is unbelievable. And and I, you're talking to a guy that's rode with the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds, and even that did not compare to the instant right now, you know, put you in the back of the seat kind of thing. You know, well,
1: and thank God for storytellers such as yourself, man, because you're right. So few people, there are a whole lot of people that don't even want to do it, have no yep. desire. But it's the the cold hard facts is that most people won't. Even if yeah. they wanted to, most people won't. So we're reliant on people such as yourself, Clay, to be great storytellers and, and, and wax poetic about that experience. Man, thank you so much for the time here today, brother. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you uh, shake things up this weekend at uh, the maple grove raceway the the house that kenny and kyle koretsky are in the process of rebuilding man be safe out there this weekend clay thank you so much for the time buddy
2: guys i appreciate it as always you know this is always a lot of fun we always run long we always talk too much but there, there's okay. two people that can talk drag racing forever it's the two guys you see on the screen right here wes thank you for having me on i appreciate it buddy
1: Thank you, buddy. Tell Donna, hi, and be careful driving, all right? You bet. Thank y'all. All right. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's pay some bills here real quick. I want to remind you guys that each and every episode of the West Buck Show is made possible by way of our friends at Stroud Safety. Stroud Safety is known for their top quality racing safety equipment from drag shoots and seat belts to fire suits, gloves, and blankets – all 100% made in America. Log on to StroudSafety.com. Make sure you tell them we sent you. Mike, JT, are you guys still with me or did I lose you somewhere along the way?
4: Oh, there's T. There's Hi Michael. Here, All right, we what's took, going we on, We took guys? a little nap. We took a little did nap. You? No, just kidding. No, I mean, man. it was great. That Those are those are great guests. Clay, two Fodies, friends of DI. Tyler, Thank you. Tyler and, yep. and Clay. Uh, man, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Clay had some emotion there and and just the how genuine he is. There and there are so many people that it's it can't be a coincidence that we've heard the story. Man, my first racer that I ever met was Clay Milliken. The first time I ever went to a drag race, Clay Milliken signed my hat or right. whatever it was. And and that he's still out there doing it.
1: I don't think we would have our editor-in-chief at Drag Illustrated, Nate Van Wagner, without Clay Milliken, man. I mean, Clay made an impression on him when he I think he was 12 years
4: old, you know, and now he's making his living. Tyler just told a similar story. So it it can't be a coincidence. And there were
3: several in the comments saying that same story. You know, they had a similar story.
4: It's pretty incredible. And I I, I got me a new neighbor here in Mooresville. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go check out Rick Ware racing. You should go over there, man. Me and Clay need to go to lunch as long as he's buying. Yeah,
1: absolutely, man. <laughs> I'm sure he, he's got a brand new NASCAR T-Motor, man. They're That's flying right. around on We're private going. jets. They're buying dinner. They'll probably take you to that place that that uh, Brett goes to all the time, Underwood. What's it called? Uh, Red Rocks.
4: That, Red Rocks, right? That's the spot. Brett's, yeah, Brett's name is on the menu. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. Is it really? It yeah, really oh, yeah. is. Yeah, the Brett Underwood, New York Strip, I believe it is. I think it's awesome, <laughs> man.
1: Um, All right. Well, hey, we've got a little bit of time here left. Um, I do want to throw it out. Uh, Let's do a little Q&A here at the end, guys. I know we've we've got an opportunity to have a quick, concise show and maybe we should take it. But uh, there is some other stuff that I wanted to talk on to uh, talk about. We had had a
3: couple people ask about the uh, WDRA.
1: Okay, well, that's what I wanted to talk about, you know, and I do think next week, um, you know, for those that don't know, uh, there's been there's been a lot of movement in the drag racing sanction and series kind of world over the course of the last couple of weeks, perhaps none more so than the formation of the World Drag Racing Alliance by uh, series sanction owner, excuse me, Don Scott, who's also the owner of Havana um, Central Illinois Dragway in Havana, Illinois, along with a track advisory council that includes some really big names in our sport. Scott Gardner, uh, perhaps best known as one of a uh, former IHRA president. He was also the owner operator of Cordova Dragway Park in Cordova, Illinois, um, has had a tremendous uh, involvement. Level of involvement in the sport of drag racing for a long time. Jason Peterson from US 131 Motorsports Park in Michigan, fresh off Funny Car Nationals this past weekend, where the Midwest Drag Racing Series uh, also appeared. By all accounts, uh, an absolute barn burner of an event. Also, Royce Miller and the gang at Maryland International Raceway. Jeff Miles and the team at Darlington Dragway in North Car- in South Carolina. Excuse me. Um, big big things happening in the sport, guys. And uh, Mike, you know, as somebody that was. Kind of a front row participant in, you know, drag racing's what do you say, secondary national event series, the IHRA racing with your dad and the heyday of Pro Mod, if you will. Um, I think we can all agree that it's important that there are multiple drag racing sanctioning bodies. I, I think we have to be no. careful. We don't need six hundred of them necessarily, but we've, we've heard it many times. I think one of the people who have said it the most and perhaps the most loudest recently is our friend, Bobby Bennett at competition plus that, you know, the NHRA was never better than when the IHRA was at its best. Yeah. Um, There's no doubt about that. Do you agree with that? Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah.
4: And, and competition uh, breeds innovation and, and uh, improvement. So we'll see what this does, but um, I just worry that there's, there's maybe, not enough to go around that there. We're going to, I would like to see all three of these thrive NHRA, WDRA, IHRA, and any other ones you want to uh, throw in there, but we'll see if there's enough to go around to sustain two new uh newcomers, I guess you could say to the, to the market. And that remains to be seen. We don't want it to be like a lot of these classes where, you know, the same, the same class is being competed at, at events across the country and the car counts suffer. Um, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. They've got a strong group at this WDRA. This kind of came out of nowhere after the IHRA news. I think once we had all digested that, then this came out of, uh, came out of nowhere. And I think at first glance, it's something that you might not put a lot of stock in, but when you start seeing those names and those tracks that are involved, this is a serious deal.
3: How many tracks was it up to?
1: 30. Um, and I'm told it's pretty fast, I, you know, that's pretty a lot of tracks. fast, man. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know how you can do anything other than feel good about that. Like if I'm any of those guys and I've only talked to a handful of them, but like, you know, to get that kind of response that quickly from what I've heard, they'll be at 50, uh, perhaps by the end of the month. Uh, you think about, I, th- I believe the NHRA maintains like what, 120 tracks in their member network. I think at its height, the IHRA had somewhere between 80 and a hundred. So to be at 30 to 50 in what week two, That seems promising in my opinion, Um, but what I really think it brings to light is that there really is, what I'm seeing, if I look at this from afar, it's there needs to be a utility. I think that the World Drag Racing Alliance, and I haven't talked to anybody there. I've had one brief conversation with Jason Peterson. I've reached out to Scott Gardner, um, and and those conversations will come in in the following days. But I'll tell you that what I've been able to gather from the outside looking in is that there seems to be a real strong desire to, to serve as something of a utility for track owners and operators. And I think that that is something that not to, you know, bash on NHRA, but I do think that that's something that they've been lacking is that there's been so much value, let's be honest, into in just being associated with the NHRA. Like look no further than the pull, the draw that is the Wally. Right. People will cr- racers will crawl across broken glass for the opportunity to compete for a Wally. Right. I mean, it is the ultimate accomplishment in the sport of drag racing. And we would be foolish to think otherwise. Right. Um, however, I do think uh, that they one of the things the NHRA has maybe not focused on enough is providing templates and rubrics to track owners around the country who maybe are new to the sport. Right. Maybe they bought this track and they don't have a ton of drag racing background and they need some guidance or maybe they don't know how to do certain things. I mean, I think about some of the conversations I had. uh, I may get in trouble for this, but I remember having a conversation a few years ago with Jim Hughes, who uh, is owner of Tucson Dragway out in Arizona, who is also deeply, intimately involved with the No Prep King series. And this was before that. And he reached out to me. and He said, man, you'd be blown away how little information there is for a track operator to ensure their future success. Like he was, I'm out here in Tucson, Arizona. This no prep, you know, type of racing is starting to take off. But I don't know the first thing about a no prep race. I don't know how they do the rules. I don't know how the races are formatted. I don't know how they de-glue or no prepify the tracks. And it's interesting to me that that seems to be the the primary offering from this world no drag prep-ify. racing alliance I no like prepify that. is a new word yeah that's a new um, shirt i just invented it get a shirt made um but do you see what i'm saying where that's like helping these tracks help themselves like well, hey we're not going to come out and do this for you but here's yeah. a rubric for how so to do that, this So is that what
3: they're going to do because we've, we've got questions here like yeah well what exactly is the sanctioning body offering to the drag racing world what what classes um is it sportsman Uh, So I mean, I think I think
4: think they are focusing on sportsmen, right? That's what we've heard. Well, I think they're going to be
3: focusing on
1: certain classes, and I think that that's where everybody's getting up. I think that's what we heard from IHRA, though, right?
4: They're focusing on
1: they're focusing on sportsmen. So what what what, each
4: what each one offers and where they can differentiate that's what's going to be key. Because if they're all offering the same thing, it's not going to work. But if one thing, if you're a track operator and you you prioritize or value something that WDRA is offering over IHRA or NHRA or vice versa, then that's going to help make your decision. So they've the what they offer is key to the success for all of them.
1: it's I agree. And I think that I ask that that's typically the first question I ask is like what's your unique proposition here. Like, what are, what are you doing that is different? You know, and I, what I really see the world drag racing Alliance leaning into and focusing on is not specific classes of drag racing, but more the providing a blank, you know, an insurance policy, Um, a a super series, a track, a year end points program, because for the longest time that was the tip of the spear for the IHRA was that summit super series. I know in 2005 as a track operator myself, it was so attractive that my, my racers at my local track, 150, 180 strong for a local a weekly bracket program, They could compete in the Summit Super Series, right? They could pay the entry fee and be involved in that and keep points all year long, and then they could go race at the bracket finals. And perhaps most importantly, they didn't have to travel, right? They didn't have to go to Vegas or to Bristol or to Charlotte. They didn't have to go thousands of miles away. They were able to go race at their quote-unquote bracket finals, the year-end mega race, and do it two, three hours from home. And I think that that, is way more of a driving force than a lot of people want to realize is that guys, most of these people have to be at work on Monday, you know? So even if they run till late at night on Sunday, if they're three hours from home, they, they can get home, take a shower, sleep a little bit and head to the head to the shop or head to the office. And I think that that's what the world drag racing Alliance seems to recognize is that they need to have a close to home option for these folks, uh, for these racers that don't want to travel all around creation, and it's also going to be uh, a haven for all the kind of secondary sanctions and series and events that happen in our country that perhaps wouldn't happen under NHRA's. Uh, it, you know, NHRA runs a tight ship, right? I mean, there's very high expectations across the board, and they don't totally work for everyone. So, I do think that there is uh, there's room for this. But I agree. I think that there's a lot that's going to be figured out, you know, in the coming months, if you will. I think this is going to be a really interesting end uh, to the year when you look at it, like seeing who's going to be aligned. We'll see what with announcements who. are
3: made at PRI and things yeah, like that. I that's agree. What, that, that's what we're going to find out a lot, don't you think?
1: I, I think so. You know, I think that that's probably the... we'll We'll see a lot. I don't know, man. I was shocked when I got that press release the other day, 30 member tracks... That's make that's big time movement, brother. I mean, that's big time movement. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens, man. But I, I got to be honest. Anybody that's trying, and I, I want to give kudos to everybody involved. I mean, I Trey, Larry Jeffer, everybody that's involved. I believe, feels in their heart they're doing the right thing for the sport of drag racing, and I appreciate that. I, I absolutely, I want what's best for the sport of drag racing always. And I think that you know everything that has happened here at Drag Illustrated over the course of the last sixteen years. Has happened because that is our that 's our go to we we always try to put the sport first first we quit putting on races because we thought it was neg it could potentially be detracting from some of these other sanctions and series and events and it 's like we didn 't want to convolute or compete uh, things change of course, but i 'm just saying that that has always been our focus here at drag illustrated, our mission, it's no secret has been to grow and build the sport of drag racing. And I don't know, I I'm anxious to see kind of what happens next, man. Um, let's talk about real quick, briefly, let's give a shout out to Kayla Morton, uh, winning the no prep Kings event this past weekend, uh, in Tucson, Arizona, as we were just discussing the no prep Kings series rolls into Denver, Colorado bandamere speedway, uh, incredible race uh, venue here in the United States, man. Uh, I'm actually bummed that I'm not going, but I I just thought it was worth mentioning that. How about coming out of left field, right? I mean, obviously we had,
4: it was was an event that had some oddities to it. You had Ryan Martin, Ryan Martin went out in second round to Lizzie Musey, who then unfortunately had a top end crash. So then she's out. And then, you know, you end up with two really newcomers to the finals and John Odom, and Kayla Morton and Kayla wins it. So it's, but it's always interesting when some, you know, it's not a run of the mill race and you get some oddities like that happening. And we've always said band sort of feeds into that as well. So we'll see what happens this weekend. I think
1: we'll be, we may well be surprised because that is a track that throws you get into those odd conditions. And as you said, Mike, it kind of opens the door for somebody to swoop in and get down when no one else did or make a good run when everybody else made bad runs. So I'm excited to see what happens, man.
3: And good for them, too. They've, they've really put in the work. They've been around since the beginning. You know, It's pretty awesome to see them get the win. It, I thought the same thing. I thought, man, Kayla, A,
1: boosted Chris Hamilton, uh, wonderful guy. Kayla has been there since day one. And to see her finally – seeing those photos that Courtney Paulshock posted on social media over the weekend of, I believe, Kayla's dad teary-eyed and an emotional embrace between Chris – Hamilton and Kayla, like clearly a very special moment and man winning over there at this point in time is doing yeah, something.
3: Yeah. is I mean, doing something, you know, you know, there's very few and far between, you know, you got to, so, I mean, I mean, everything did align, right, but yeah, good for them.
1: Let's switch into NHRA pro stock. We'll stay on the subject uh, of cars with doors, but I think that we may see, listen, top fuel on fire, funny car on fire, tons of hitters, but man, Pro stock, you know, we saw the elite motorsports team dominate throughout the first part of the season, all throughout the regular season, look almost unbeatable. I can't remember what their total tally was. I had it written down somewhere, but I've lost it. But they've won, like, I think 11 maybe or so of the 16 uh, races here that's in the regular season. Uncharacteristic uh, early exit for Erica Enders uh, and a handful of the elite motorsports team there in Indianapolis. We saw Greg Anderson win his 100th. Uh, earn his 100th career victory in NHRA Pro Stock at the at the U.S. Nationals. Excuse me. Uh, and really clearly having come upon something that has improved their program. We don't know if that's under the hood and the bell housing and the rear suspension. What We're not sure where that gain came, but clearly there has been a game. Who do you guys like here now that we're in the thick of things, we got six races left to figure out who's who. Well, the is leading the points. What's your what's your thoughts?
4: Well, the first thing that's kind of wild is that there are 14 cars or, or drivers that are qualified for the countdown due to the rule that correct me if I'm wrong, Wes. But isn't it if you went to every race and qualified right uh, you even if you finish outside the top 10, you you get put in the countdown correct. at Starting at nineteen hundred ninety points and on down, which if you look at all the classes, Pro Stock Motorcycle has no one that fit that bill. They they cut off at ten, but each of the other classes do, uh, do have uh, eleven or twelve people. But but uh, Pro Stock has fourteen. Which real quick, is, is let's just roll around.
1: Do you guys like that or l- like love it or hate it, Mike? Man, go I, with I you first. I don't
4: know where to where to uh, fall on it, but I I like it because it it encourages participation. And I think that, hey, if, if that's if that's what got those guys to all those races all year was guaranteeing their spot in the countdown, I'm for it. In, in this era of all the uphill battles we have, um, as far as funding and fuel and and economy, whatever um, payout, I say if that if that motivates them, keep it.
3: See? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence on it. I mean, if you're gonna have the countdown, you're gonna have it ten cars. Then, you know, then have it be ten cars. Yeah, I mean, it's just. How you know, does the you, countdown? If you, if, you there, if you want to get up there, if you want to get up there, then you need to race harder. You know, that well, it's going to make it. It's
4: it's got to be. It's going to be extremely hard too to come back from like Chris McGahey's nineteen hundred and sixty points. And uh, he's got to make up quite a bit um, to to get in there. But it can happen. So it, it definitely puts you at a disadvantage. But it is. It kind of creates the opportunity for more oddities to happen or upsets, so, and, and more people to still be swinging for the fence late in the year. So I, I'm I'm for it in that regard
3: on your other on your other question though um you know i think i'm gonna ride with elite on this you know and, and probably erica when it, i mean it's not cutting time and you know they've they've proved all season that they've got something a little extra and man you know she's tough when, when it comes down to it she's tough and uh i think they probably have something going on over there and it could be any of the drivers but i think i think erica is probably suited to Redemption tour continues. I do think
1: if I factor in the redemption tour part of this deal, I think we're going to see Erica this weekend with not that we haven't, but a, a, you know, you shake off Indy things didn't go your way and she'll be rolling into Maple Grove raceway with uh, her game face on. And, and there was actually a great comment here from Billy Carroll uh, in the comments, that nobody is going to find enough power to outrun the levers. I'd put my money on the light cutters, Erica Enders, Dallas Glenn. I tend to agree. I do think you've got to throw Aaron Stanfield yep. into yep. that mix. I mean, we've seen, and to to Billy's and point, and if, if you're
4: going yeah, you
3: to throw, you got to Mason
1: McGehee in there
4: too.
3: Yeah, and Tiki's I mean, got momentum too. Yeah,
1: so man, I but if if you're if you're going with the guys that are classic good levers, yet your conversation really gets. Pretty well centered around Erica Enders, Aaron Stanfield, and Dallas Glenn. Yeah, right. I mean, sure. if you're talking about the class's best levers, and everybody's sensitive to this stuff, but we're the ones that have the uh, the audacity and or balls to say it out loud. Those are the levers, right? Those are the guys that you, ninety nine times out of hundred, are going to be the first off the starting line. Right now, there's certainly guys. I mean, Greg Anderson is going to surprise you uh, from time to time. Matt Hartford will definitely uh, step up. I mean, I think he's a, a very good lever in the class, but I, I think quadra, it's going to be interesting. Christian oh, quadra. my goodness. He's yeah. a good lever. These yep. Quadra boys are on it, man. But now I, I think it's going to be interesting if we if the good lords, if the racing gods wrap their arms around this deal and give us a countdown that sees Erica Enders and Greg Anderson going head-to-head. If we could be so lucky as to see them neck-and-neck throughout the course of the countdown. Not that drag racing at this point in time needs another storyline or needs more storylines. We've got a slew of them, right? We've got a slew of them. But, man, if we could get lucky enough to see those two titans of NHRA Pro Stock drag racing go head-to-head throughout the course of the the NHRA countdown to the championship, that, to me, would be so poetic to see it come down you know, I don't want this to happen. I don't want it wrapped up in Vegas. I don't want it wrapped up uh, any sooner than maybe, uh, you know, if it came down to the final round, Mike, just imagine it comes down to the final round in Pomona, right? I we mean, if we can, oh, we can only hope, you know, and for all the people that just dis- don't like the countdown, I get it. And I'm actually a traditionalist. Typically speaking, I can completely make an argument for it. But when I put on my storytelling hat and I, when I think about the movie that I want to be, uh, the movie that I want for 2022, we we couldn't have had, you know, Erica with a significant lead and just steadily pull away. Right. We need this moment. It's, it's fantastic for our sport and it would be awesome to see those guys battle it out. No doubt.
4: And then what happens next year? How many of these guys are back next year? Guys and gals. Um, especially if Erica wins the championship?
1: Big question, man. Big question. I think there's a lot, you know, I look at, I look at that pro stock list. You know, there's a couple of things. I, I do think it's worth noting that it has been great to see Bo Butner back. You know, I do yep. think Derek Kramer turned a corner there at the U.S. Nationals. They've been struggling, um, but I, it felt like we saw them start to turn the corner. Just seeing Bo out here, having this many good cars at all these races, I think our best bet for Pro Stock right now is to really lean in, not lean in, um, really embrace this particular group of guys and hope we're able to maintain it. I don't know that we're going to see 10 more cars materialize over the offseason, right? But if we can maintain this group, there's some fierce competitors. There's some big personalities, and I think there's something to build on, man. I
4: really For do. Sure, there's no and it's you're, we're talking about Greg um, and talking about uh, Kyle karetsky and those guys and Bo Butner. Th- those are cars that have come on lately. Yes, like I said, they're they've kind of got some momentum. Um, and, and and as as the cars gotten better, they're leaving better too. Absolutely, it, and you know, know what? You made a hand.
1: great point there, uh, T. That what do you, what can you say about Troy Coughlin Jr.? I mean, he went back-to-back, yep. back, um, won a couple races in a row. Def, I would tell you this. I could see it in him at Indy. Did you guys he, notice this? He, he talked he about it. Different. He seemed different. talked about it. Yeah, he, he says, was, he, yeah, he, that, he was that different. That was big. Huh?
3: That was really big to get that 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 win and then the second one oh my god right? oh and then get that yeah. monkey
1: off his back and just yeah. be like hey look we know we can do this now it's not a wonder if whether or not we can do it how about the news that uh it sounds like jegs will not be back there will not be a yellow and black pro stock car in 2023 what a That's
4: i gotta big. say That's and sad. i don't you know yeah. it's to that be honest out, i feel that, like
1: it's a sad day in drag racing it's
4: like we we weren't ready for that We weren't prepared. We we thought there was a you know we were going to see that forever, and it's one of those things that we'll miss it when it's gone, man. I cannot
1: imagine watching a drag race, to be honest with you, and not seeing a yellow and black car on the on on the on the racing surface, and it's it's troubling for me to be honest with you guys because I do think that that people really resonated with that. I, I don't know about you guys, but the JEGs group kind of became brothers in arms, extended brothers in arms, because I think the racing masses looked at them as fellow racers, right? And I think there was a unique relationship there. I think there was a real love affair with that yellow and black, um, despite you know, anything, any issue that could have existed. Like maybe there was an option somewhere else to get quicker shipping. Maybe the part was available cheaper somewhere else, whatever the case may be. I think people time and time again would lean in uh, or would would dial up jegs.com because they're racers they're my kind of guys it's the and
4: competition I, too. the competition between them and summit and yeah. like that kind of reminds yeah, me of the good. beer wars you know when you had bud and miller and it seems like once there's only one of those left in there i know greg it, it still has some summit sponsorship but you know that's their jegs was essentially the, the only uh, mail order parts left in um in pro stock it seems to speed up the exit. And we saw that in with the beer wars in Top Fuel. It's like when one of them goes, then the other one kind of is like, all right, well, you know, I'd double down. The funds The funds over. It, the if I was over.
3: Right now, I'd double down. Oh, you and me both. We we could, we could see that. We could see that. Well, I
1: mean, one can only hope. And it is another thing that a person has to be weary of when these acquisitions happen in our sport. We're seeing it. Mike and I were joking the other day, like it's become a business to buy businesses, and you buy these businesses, and you do everything you can to make them more profitable on paper, so that you can flip them, and you get a multiple of, you know, a lot of times you get a multiple of revenue uh, or a multiple of profit and you want to make the company as profitable as possible. I mean, I heard of a solar power company the other day going for 25 times revenue, not 25 times profit, 25 times revenue, right? So that's just how much earnings they had total, you know? So there's big opportunity in that buying and selling of businesses right now. And it's it's tough to see because you watch these companies that have established all that they have and built all that they have and have this incredible following and this incredible community that's kind of around them that they're a part of. And there's all these people, right. That have contributed to that. But a lot of times those people, unfortunately are well-paid, right. They've been there forever. They've got tons of vacation built up, what have you. And someone that's not emotionally connected to the project comes in and goes, oh, we need to cut all these people because they get paid too much. And we're going to use our marketing firm from over here or our people from over there. And we're going to, you know, combine pool resources. And the next thing you know, you got a company that's lacking its heart and soul, you know. So it's a really it's an interesting thing, man. It's, and by it's, the time uh, you
3: figure it out, then it's almost too late. And you have to try to build it back up, you know. Yeah, man. The damage yeah. is done a lot of times. so.
1: Yeah, it's a wild time, man. Wild time. Last thing, guys. I do want to remind everybody, you don't got to go solo on me if you don't want to. But the West Buck Show is brought to you by our friends at FlowRacing.com. If you're a drag racer or a drag racing fan, you got to get on board with Flow Racing. The world leader in sports live streaming, Flow Flow Racing provides unlimited access to drag racing's biggest events like Donald Long's Lights Out, No Mercy, and Sweet 16, every stop on the PDRA and NMCA Tours. Funny Car Chaos, World Cup Finals, Streetcar Super Nationals, and much, much more. The coolest part, other than being able to watch live drag racing almost 24-7, is the fact that you can do it on any device. I was watching this weekend on my Roku. Flow racing is contributing 100% to the growth of our sport. The partnerships formed by flow racing with the promoters and drag racing serve only to grow drag racing and put racers and events in front of more eyeballs. The platform provided by flow is changing drag racing for the better and there's no limit to the good they can do. So log on to Flowracing.com today and join the movement. You can also catch this show. Kind of crazy. Is it as surreal for you guys as it is the and me? they that- catch
4: it during downtime. All of a yeah, sudden, man. you want the tractor to come out. You, oh. you're, you want some <laughs> more track prep so that you can watch some more West Buck show.
1: Exactly, man. Well, hey, guys, thank you for being here. Thanks for being a part of it. Huge shout out to Tyler Crosno. Best of luck to Tyler, Tommy, Judy, the whole team out there at Virginia Motorsports Park. Longtime friends of ours here at Drag Illustrated. I hope everything goes fantastic at the Shakedown Nationals. Hard to believe. I think it's like, what, the 20th year of this deal? 21st year of
4: this deal? Something 20th like that. 20th, 20th, anniversary. 20th
1: anniversary. Big, yeah, big moment, shirts. man. If you we go get your
4: special shirt, they, they we should have um,
1: had David Hans on here screwed yeah. up maybe we could do an episode friday have or to something. get his own
4: show
3: yeah It'll David. i'm, I'm, to I'm gonna his be his in nashville hour. friday what are you going to nashville for have you A sent birth- this to hr i have well i'm the hr department. oh yeah you are yeah. hr yeah, yeah. so I, I i cleared it for myself but yeah <laughs> birthday party <laughs> for who you uh-uh
4: no, no, good luck. You're, you're going to live <laughs> out that meme that you posted. Oh, my
1: God. Todd Langdon asks, closing notes, and I want to say thanks also to Clay Milliken, uh, his wife Donna, for letting us uh, borrow him on a Wednesday afternoon. I hope they have safe travels to Maple Grove and a fantastic weekend. I'm going to tell you guys, uh, the question is, will ProMod ever be a professional category? Mike and I spent about an hour talking about this yesterday. My opinion is no. And, and I think that that's Okay. You know, I think that as a community of racers and race fans, at some point we're going to have to accept that the NHRA, their focus is top fuel and funny car, right? I mean, it's their focus, and I don't know that we should vilify them for it. I think their secondary focus is pro-stock and pro-stock motorcycle, or what's the word for third and dairy? Tertiary. It is third and dairy.
0: <laughs> tertiary?
1: Tertiary. <laughs> they're, they're tertiary, uh, focus would be (laughs) pro stock and and pro stock motorcycle. And I got to be honest, being on the grounds and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was at the U S nationals and there's 45 top fuel cars, top fuel and funny cars there, right? There's 20 pro stock cars, 20 pro stock motorcycles. I mean, am I wrong? Is it, can you fault the NHRA for not like falling over themselves, fawning at any other category? I mean, I can't really and there's a Fault lot them that, for it.
4: There's a lot that comes along with it too, uh, it, it, on both sides. When you make something a pro class, and it, we've talked about it before, it's sort of a, be careful what you wish for type of thing. If you think Pro Mod's expensive now or it, tough to run in HRA, if they made you it a pro class. You just put them boys
1: on TV yeah. and wait. You, you put all those cars on TV, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. You put the NHRA Pro Mod series as it is on television, that deal's in the ditch next Tuesday. I mean, because it's going to go from being, right now, there are teams spending nearly a million dollars a season to run NHRA Pro Mod, 10 races, right? I mean, it. the series used to be 12 races, but that, I mean, you're talking about between three quarters of a million and a million dollars for like a high-end, top-flight, qualify in the top four or five cars, and... That number will go up 50%, I would yeah. say. Bare minimum. Kind of
4: like it, it, the we talk about the KH era in ADRL and what that did to Outlaw Pro Mod, Eighth Mile Pro Mod. And it just v- dramatically raised the bar for everyone. Uh, that is what I would see happening if, if Pro Mod became a pro class. Because I, I think, it, I think, I think it'd I think, be awesome ultimate like validation, but there's a lot that comes along with it.
3: I think the flip side is that you're going to get more uh, people showing up to races and more people wanting that TV time. I mean, let's face it, you know, they like being in the staging lanes. You, you've mentioned it before with, with all the, all the stars of the NHRA, you know, and if they're going to be on until they on, can't afford it on, though. Yeah, that's true. You but know, a until lot of they these can guys can
1: it. maybe, but I mean, we're seeing them complain about the cost and the escalating costs now. I and I mean, they want to complain about everything. And well, and, and that's, that's, you know,
4: has roots in a, in a different, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's roots are different than pro stock. And a lot of these uh, at this point, the fuel classes, even though they kind of, all of them start grassroots pro mod clings to that, Good old boy, grassroots. I built this myself. This is, you know, the only thing I wanted. I mean, do. I think about Ricky like, Smith. I yeah, tune
1: the car. I drive the car. I drive yeah. the truck. I work on the car. That you know, I set up the awning. I think that mentality is still very, very much uh, prevalent in Pro Mod. It's racing. what
4: makes Pro Mod what it is. And if you take that away from it, you kind of got a different animal as well. So it'll be interesting to see. And the what NHRA has to be
1: weary forward. of this too, because one of the issues that I've seen rear its head in the past is that if you go put ProMod on TV, you you run the risk of it outshining, you know, one of your other Camping World Series categories, right? And if you've got a sponsor, then it starts to cannibalize itself where it's like a guy's going, shit, man, I'm spending $4 million a year to be on this funny car, These things are pretty exciting, not quite as exciting, but pretty exciting. And I can go sponsor that car, full tilt, boogie, lock, stock and barrel for 500,000 bucks. You know, then you start to cannibalize your other categories. So it's tough. I mean, there's a reason that NASCAR doesn't have six other categories running on Sunday on the same track, you know, because they need that deal to stand head and shoulders above everything else. So it kind of goes back to our argument that one time we had JT that I think we're both I think right about that, you know maybe your pro mod is the main event on Saturday night and they don't run on Sunday. Maybe yeah. it's a completely pro secondary a Saturday thing.
4: night show anyway. Oh, in yeah, my I opinion, that's Absolutely. that's yeah. the roots of pro mod a Saturday night quick ape.
1: You know so anyways, it's an interesting thing, but I do think we have to be careful what we wish for because it and will could be used as fill- filler on the next show though too. You know like you yeah. ran
3: them, you know it could be.
1: No, it's interesting. And I mean, there's plenty of the, the issue is that there, and I think part of the problem is that NHRA ProMod has never had the level of competition that they have right now. I mean, you've got a lot of great places to go race. I
4: I wanted to make that point too. When we talked about that NHRA has never been better than when IHRA was pushing it. I I agree with that, but we, uh, you know, Clay talked about it today and we've talked about it all year. NHRA is hot right now, very strong across the board. So, uh, That's a little caveat to what we said earlier.
1: No, I mean, and it's like, if I'm a pro mod guy, you know, no matter where I'm at in the country, other than the West coast, I guess, but like, if you're in the Midwest, you got the Midwest drag racing series pays 10,000 to win good qualifying money, great race tracks. Well, they, they marry up the Midwest Drag Racing Series events with other large independent events. I mean, they, that place at US 131 Motorsports Park this past weekend was packed to the gills, right? And Preston Tanner went out there in front of that crowd and running, you know, getting treated like a rock star, getting treated like the show, goes out there and races in front of that crowd. I mean, he's racing at a pro level. It's, I mean, now granted, he of course wants to win a Wally. Of course he wants to, like you were saying, to be in the staging lanes with Ron Caps and John Force. But man, you know, for the money, and for the distance from the house, you know, it's pretty hard to beat. If you're out on the east coast, you got PDRA. If you're kind of in the Midwest or Mideast, or excuse me, what would it would be Mid- Middle East of the United States, you got the NMCA. Really, really well done events all over. I mean, there's a lot of options right now. And if you're up in the yes. New England colonies, you got the Northeast Outlaw Promot Association. Hell Yellow Bullet ran for thirty thousand dollars eighth-mile drag race over Labor Day weekend. So there's just so many options. It's a great kind of reminder that it can go too far one way, right? So, hey, guys, thank you all so much for being a part of this. It is truly an honor to get to shoot the breeze and bench race with you guys every Wednesday afternoon. Remember, subscribe to the YouTube channel, dragillustrate, youtube.com slash dragillustrated. Log on to dragillustrated.com to uh, follow along with all of our other content that comes out daily. Thank you guys for being here. Mike, JT, appreciate it a lot. And we will see you guys next week.
2: Later, y'all.
4: Thanks, everybody.